Welcome back to Real Big Mistakes, where we reevaluate a film's critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes and determine if the movies are actually better than their reputation suggests. I'm Jason Konigsberg of PanandSlam.com. And I am Rich Tola. And boy, did you pick a doozy of a picture this week, Rich. I cannot wait to hear if we are on the same page. Or if you are giving J.J. Abrams and Disney a pass on this one, and if so, I hope you're wearing a big red suit and a white beard right now, okay? And I'm going to call you Tola Claus, because Christmas came early. All right, so please tell everyone the movie you picked and enlighten us as to why you picked it. All right, so I picked uh, 2019's Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which was the final film the third and final film of the new trilogy, um, which started, I think, in 2015, I think, the new... Yes, the 2015, one. yep. Um, yeah, so this is the, the conclusion to the the um, third trilogy, I guess it is, in the Star Wars universe. Um, you know, the first being, obviously, the original trilogy in the 70s and early 80s, um, and then you had the prequels in the... Uh, late 90s early 2000s and then um now the the i guess it's called the sequel trilogy uh which takes place after the events of the original trilogy um so i the reason i chose this is first of all you know i think you and i are both um big star wars fans in general um so it was it's 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 a a franchise that's worth discussing i think and i only saw this movie once prior to my second viewing uh, a couple days ago same with me and okay and um i liked it Uh, coming out of the theater i enjoyed it now do i did i think it was perfect no and do i understand what the flaws of this movie are yes i'm not an idiot um but (laughs) just um, because you like this movie doesn't mean you're an idiot i just i mean no no no. we'll we'll, we'll discuss we'll discuss no i'm saying yeah i mean i i I see what people the problems people have with this movie um but i did enjoy it when i came out of the theater i remember thinking like all right i mean it was fun i had fun i mean to me and, and we'll talk about this more i guess um, this new trilogy to me was more of just like, all right, it's, it's like bonus Star Wars footage. Like it's something I never expected and never thought in a million years we would ever get like a sequel trilogy. Um, I, I figured, especially with, Disney, especially with the three of the main lead actors, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, all coming back to the role. Exactly. Um, so I, I just took this as, you know, the whole, all three movies is just like, oh, this is bonus Star Wars. It's like, you know, it's like when you go to a baseball game or a football game and it goes into extra innings or overtime, it's like, oh, free, free baseball or free football, you know? Um, so I never really had too much invested in this, in this sequel, in this trilogy, um, like I said, it was just like, all right, you know, I've never thought this would happen, so it's it's bonus time. I knew when Disney bought Lucasfilm, like I'm, you know, obviously they're going to make Star Wars. They're going to keep making money. They didn't spend four billion, five billion dollars, whatever it was, to just you know sit back and collect on merchandise. Obviously, they're going to do something with it. So I just didn't think it would be this. Um, so um, yeah, I, I thought they would just make the you know they, they had those standalone movies like Solo and Rogue One. And I thought um, 
you know, I thought they would make maybe a new trilogy or something like that. I wasn't expecting a sequel trilogy. Um, so when it happened, like I said, I was happy for it. Uh, I, I came into this movie like I came into the other two, just, you know, wanting a good time. And for that reason, when I left the theater, I enjoyed it. Um, I know it's hokey. I know it, you know, and we'll talk about all that. And I know it's, you know, it's the, the happy ending and it's all, you know, ties up the whole trilogy in a nice, neat bow. And it's, you know, basically Return of the Jedi again, but, you know, a little different. Um, but I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. Uh, I didn't feel like my childhood was ruined or anything like that. Um, I, I thought it was, you know, it was fine and I enjoyed it. And I and that's really all I was trying to get out of it. So okay. that's the reason I picked this movie, um, because it is rotten and rotten tomatoes. It has a 51 percent um, critic score, but an 86 percent audience score, which wow, that I'm is a wondering big and I'm wondering if how accurate that is. Like, is I I don't know. I feel like fans. I don't know that many people that like this movie. Also, although I I haven't really talked about this movie too much with people either, um, because shortly after the, I saw this movie, I mean, you know, a couple months later we were in a pandemic, and you know, this all went out of the out of the limelight. But I'm wondering if that score was initial, and maybe it's changed since then, or if. I don't know how Rotten Tomatoes works that way, but either way, there is an 86% um, audience score, which means at least at one point in time, people liked this movie, uh, just not critics. So, um, and then, I mean, well, now you, well, I don't think you like this movie. Um, So (laughs) I remember, let's, let's go back. I remember you saw this in the theater before me, which is a rarity. Um, usually I see things before you and when you see it, we catch up and we talk. Uh, you saw this, I believe I was on vacation at the time or there was other things. And, and then, yes, when I came back, I remember I, I chose to see, um, a few other, well, the critical Oscar movies that were out that time in 2019. Uh, I believe I saw Uncut Gems right when I came back from vacation, uh, the Adam Sandler serious movie uh, from a couple of years ago that I really enjoyed. Uh, and I may have actually even seen uh, something else before this. So uh, I, I did want to see it, but yeah, you and you, I, I called you right as I uh, was, was driving home, actually, uh, from seeing it. And... I just went through a, a check a laundry list. I didn't even have to read my notes that I took in the theater, uh, just of everything that I thought was wrong with this movie. I was just you know going on and on, and you were just like, "Well, okay." And I remember you. If I'm not mistaken, I think you said you liked it the most out of the three of the new sequel trilogy. At that time, you said that I believe. Maybe I did. I think you said that, and that was like, oh, God, oh, Rich, jeez. <laughs> so I, I do remember uh, that, that going on. But yes, Star Wars is special, you know, to me. You and I obviously both grew up with Star Wars. It was a big part of our childhood. I was five or younger when I saw the first Star Wars film or the first three Star Wars films. So it was a big, you know important movie for me uh the the whole original trilogy empire strikes back and return of the jedi i love the movies as a kid um i unlike most people i enjoyed the prequel trilogy uh that's where i would say they weren't perfect but each one of the prequel films had something at least two things in each prequel film that i admired when i saw the force awakens i was like basically all right so this was a 
retelling, rehash of Force Awakens. And I was okay with that. Because you know what? It had been ten years since the last Star Wars film. And critics can be susceptible to hype, as we discussed with Indiana Jones. And I was so happy, maybe, to see, you know, Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. So... I just sort of went with it. And yes, I was fully aware that they were, you know, step by step repeating everything from the original Star Wars A New Hope. But I didn't mind. Then I was just hoping for something a little different. We certainly got different with The Last Jedi. And then we got damage control, I guess, with this movie. And this this is where things started to... This, this is my least favorite Star Wars film. That includes Solo and Rogue One. This is my least favorite... Uh, this Star Wars film... I mean, I guess I feel a lot of people feel this way. Star Wars used to be sacred. It used to be the way it was for... It's an important part of our childhood. It was an important part of science fiction. An important part of movies. An important... Mythos, like a modern mythology for a lot of people's lives of a certain age. This movie was the moment where Star Wars went from being sacred stories to just movies. This, they're no better or worse than the Marvel movies or the James Bond movies. And you know how much I love James Bond movies. Or the Indiana Jones movies or, you know, just any other series of movies. And, I mean, yeah, Indiana Jones is great, but none of them held that, set, that sort of, you know, almost sacred, untouchable element, I guess, that Star Wars had. And even when people touched it or, you know, it sort of went south... I was still able to enjoy the original trilogy. This, you know, is the least special movie of the entire saga. This movie made me dislike, you know, the sequel trilogy almost as a whole. And also kind of made the original trilogy seem less important. To me, this is the equivalent of the series finale of Dexter where it made me retroactively less enthusiastic about the entire show. I am now, because of Rise of Skywalker, less enthusiastic about Star Wars, the, you know, Enterprise, okay, as a whole. <clears throat> really? Oh, that says a lot. I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, I... I... <sighs> I don't know the the whole. You're right. Star Wars is different in terms of. I mean, first of all, it's it's probably the biggest movie franchise. Would you say or no? Box office wise, I think Marvel just in beat general. It, but but it, well, no. once again, Star Wars did it with three movies for twenty something years. Then they added three more. Marvel did it with. Uh, <laughs> At least a few years ago, it was 19, but I'm not 100% sure, you know, how many Marvels, 20-something at this point now. Um, so, yeah, it probably is, you know, and it's 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 just a real shame. I mean... I, I don't mean... I mean, like, it's probably the biggest movie franchise in altogether overall in terms of um, popularity, box office, um, just the, the pop culture... 
Um, yeah. You know, these Marvel movies, yeah, I mean, well, in, in 20 years from now, will anyone remember 90% of these Marvel movies? I know some people that will disagree with you, but I personally, Rich, will say no, I don't think, I, I personally mean, won't. Maybe, maybe there's a few, yeah. But. There's there's the standouts, I'm sure there's a few standouts, but I mean, is anyone going to, you know, go back and watch uh, uh, Thor 2? Or, no, we'll remember um, this era. We'll remember yeah. this part of cinema as the Marvel era. When Marvel and DC and comic book movies just dominated and people were dying for something different. Um, but I don't think people will look back at, you know, let's think of some of the standout ones. Iron Man, Ca- Iron Man 1, Captain America 1 or 2, Guardians of the Galaxy. They won't look at them with the same reverence that they do Star Wars A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Lord of the Rings, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, The mm-hmm. Matrix, um, Back to the Future, the Die Hard 1, 2, or 3. I don't think they'll look at them in the same light that they look at other special older movies. I mean, who knows? Because maybe movies are going to get so much worse, and then we'll be like, wow, Thor 2 really was pretty good. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, right now, movies are still kind of in a standstill because of COVID, uh, but I think they're going to come back. If this weekend showed you anything with uh, Godzilla versus Kong making 40-something million at the box office, that's a big deal when, yeah. you know, right prior to that, is, yeah. movies were making, exactly, yeah, you know, uh, movies were prior to that were making 6 million, 10, if they made, if they broke 10 million at the box office, whoa, that was like a major, major deal. Uh, but this was, you know... I don't know. I don't think we're going to look back at this. But, you know, going back, obviously the original trilogy has a lot of impact on you. The prequels maybe didn't impact me, but I bought into the hype. And I have rewatched those movies more than I have the newer trilogy. And I'll just say, yes, they're flawed, but they have things in them that still make me go, wow. And, you know, sit back in awe and really be impressed. Even the much maligned Phantom Menace. Uh, I can think of there's three things in that movie that stand out and make it worthwhile and worth recommending to people. And I believe that's the only other movie to have a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes. So even Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, from what I recall, have positive ratings. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, as far as the prequel trilogy goes, um, I mean... Yeah, the the original trilogy is is what I, you know, fell in love with as a kid. Right. you know, I, I remember going back and seeing them in the theater when they were re-released as the special edition, which I think was like a little bit before Phantom Menace. Um, right before. Yeah, well, special edition came out. I remember the first time I saw Star Wars, the special editions, was 97. Went early yeah. January, February, 97. They, I think they released January, February, or March. They released each one movie each month in early 1997 and I made sure to, you know, save my allowance money or whatever it was. And I went and I saw those movies, uh, and I had a blast seeing them on the big screen. I really, you know, really enjoyed Yeah, them. me too. And, yeah. and I remember like looking for the changes now yeah. going and back. And I didn't mind an the changes. Yeah, well, the only one I minded the changes was return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, I, I didn't mind. I, I didn't mind the changes at the time. Now, when I see those movies again, I'm like, oh, this doesn't fit in at all. They like look some really silly on DVD. Yeah. It, maybe in yeah. the big screen it didn't, or maybe because you were seeing them for the first time. So like you said, it was like you were looking. It's like, where's Waldo? You were looking for something different for these movies that you had seen and known as the, being the same thing so many times. So, exactly. yeah, I mean. 
what happened was with Star Wars, the original trilogies, there were movies that were meant for kids that ended up being so much fun and so innovative and so good that people of all ages embraced them because they were so well made. This movie is coasting on nostalgia uh, for the original films, which worked, in my opinion, okay for The Force Awakens. But now, the, for, you're doing this the third time. This is the third one in a trilogy, so opposed to over, you know, wrap everything up. And it's overlong, mm-hmm. and it's annoying to me. This movie really annoyed me because it had nothing new to say other than take our money. We want your money. We're Disney. We want your money. We're getting your money no matter what. Okay? And this is the most soulless of all the Star Wars films that felt like it was directed by focus groups. It's painfully obvious that Disney did not have a plan or a roadmap to how this trilogy would play out. Or they were just so taken aback by the fans' reactions to Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi that this third movie became a regression and was nothing more than, like I said, damage control to try and make the fans happy again. The first two movies set up some great new characters played by talented actors. They just did not do anything with them other than Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver, the two white lead actors. Choppy editing. I mean, you did, did how many wipes were in this? I know Star Wars is famous for the wipe edits that they have, um, but this one, I just felt like there were so many wipes, and there was no believable friendships between the main characters. Uh, whereas I disagree with you there. Um, I, I think Os- Oscar Isaac and John Boyega have a believable friendship. Um, other than I disagree. That, okay. Well, I, we'll disagree I, 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 on that one. You could, you could, we get when we get to you know analyzing scene by scene. If you want to explain why, I, I felt Lando and Han. I got their relationship from the first, you know, two minutes they were on screen. Is that because Harrison Ford and Billy D. Williams are such good actors? I don't really. I mean, maybe I don't know, but this time it felt like the script was telling them to be friends with each other or to be romantic with each other and when to be and when to not be, and yeah. it just and this ending was total damage control. I, the last half hour of this movie is where I really can't excuse it for anything. Uh, so and it felt like J.J. Abrams was making a sequel to The Force Awakens and ignored a lot of things. Or covered them up from The Last Jedi since either he nor the internet seemed to like it for being different. So I feel you could take The Last Jedi out and have just the two Abrams-directed movies and not much would be different. And we say that about a lot of trilogies. The Dark Knight trilogy, um, yeah. the the uh, Karate Kid trilogy, um, and you know, to a, less, to a certain extent this one. But I really feel like this one more than anything else... If you take out that middle, you uh, Snoke dies, and that's really all that matters in this movie, and it doesn't even matter because, look, surprise, Palpatine's back, and I can't wait to talk uh, about that with you. Uh, so, I mean, this is one of the rare movies because it's such a recent movie that we've done, that uh, whereas a lot of our other movies have been 80s or 90s or, you know, prior to when Pan and Slam, I guess, officially went up in 2014. So you could check out my actual review of uh, The Rise of Skywalker uh, on panandslam.com. And a lot of what I said there is what I'm going to say now, or it's gonna, I'm going to regurgitate, you know, I, my feelings didn't change. If anything, they got more negative from watching it this time around. So, Yeah, I mean, you, you're making valid points. I mean, 
you're right about maybe this was you know directed as by director by committee type thing and Lucasfilm yeah. kind of told JJ Abrams what to do um and part of that maybe because of the fan reception of the last jedi because the critics really liked that movie um i like the was, last jedi too but once again yeah. 10 years after revenge of the sith and we we learned, okay, or we established, like, after Indiana Jones. And remember, I gave Indiana Jones 4 a positive review at first back in uh, 2008. I walked out of that theater, you know, I would say conflicted, but in the end, I guess I was just happy. And it put me in a good mood, and you were happy enough to eventually buy the movie. So, and now we're just looking back, we're like, how did we, you know, like... Why? And this movie, I I would say I liked Indiana Jones 4 more than this movie. Um, yeah, but I, I was saying, so, you know, the, the last movie, The Last Jedi did get good critic reviews, but I guess the audience did, didn't like it. Um, so I guess, you know, and it was different. Yeah. It wasn't a rehash of Empire Strikes Back, which I think everyone was thinking was going to happen. Right. Um, so I think a lot of people... Um, a lot of the fans, you know, didn't like that. And that's why Lucasfilm probably felt like, okay, let's, you know, like you said, do some damage control here and kind of bring this back toward the fans, which, you know, I think is one of the worst decisions you can make for any movie or anything to let, you know, because you're, you're not going to make everyone happy. So when you start doing that, you, you go down a road that is detrimental to, uh, artists, right? And this movie clearly feels like it's trying to make everybody happy, and I think by in doing that, they're kind of making nobody happy. It. This movie is the moment where you can clearly tell this is nobody's vision. There's no the, well, the, and that's game. the other. There's right. no. You could say what you want about the prequel trilogy. That was a hundred percent George Lucas. If you like them, thank Lucas. If you hate them and think they're the worst thing ever, which in some ways they're definitely flawed, okay, he doesn't know how to write dialogue, but he never knew how to write dialogue. But he knew how to do other things. This time he just, as you mentioned in Indiana Jones 4, he really fell in love with CGI. And it shows, and there was just... If I had a problem with that, it was that the CGI replaced the human factor and the human emotions in the prequels. But they were still a man's vision. No one messed with him. No one told him what to do. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of blowback from those movies, like Jar Jar Binks. Okay, Hayden Christensen, he still made the movie he wanted to make, uh, the movies he wanted to make. And I, I mean, I hate, maybe I was ahead of the curve, but I still, you know, I liked them not as much as the original trilogy, but I respected those movies. Uh, and I had fun with them in the theater. The way you're describing how you walked out of. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. That's how I felt after I walked out of each prequel uh, movie that Lucas directed. And me, uh, me as well. My my biggest hang up with the with the prequels was always the the, the heavy reliance on CGI to the point yeah. where it looked cartoonish. Correct. Um, and 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 the the acting mostly Hayden Christensen, but even <laughs> Natalie Portman is pretty horrible in those movies. She, and she's such a good actress. Ewan McGregor does right. a good job, though. You can't fault he, Ewan he McGregor. Did. Ewan McGregor is a very good young Alec Guinness. I bet you could play any Alec Guinness role. Okay, if he, he did a great. Young 
young Obi-Wan. That's exactly how I felt Obi-Wan would have been. And, and I thought Liam Neeson did a good job, too, even though he's only in one movie. I, I thought he, he was, was good, good in yeah. that movie. So I, I had great can't... actors. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson was doing his Samuel L. Jackson shtick. I even liked Ian McDermott fine. as the, uh, as, you know, Palpatine, Senator Palpatine before he becomes Emperor Palpatine. I thought those scenes with him, especially in Revenge of the Sith, where he's seducing Anakin, were pretty well done. Oh yeah, he was he I mean that was his, that movie was his his movie to shine. Um but he was good in all three of those movies and and you know, it was just like I said it wasn't all of the actors, but the main it was you know Hayden Christensen, even even the the I forget it's Jake Lloyd maybe. Uh the beat Yeah, the but I don't think that was his fault. But allegedly all the criticism drove him out of acting. I think he's I don't know what he's doing, but he's not an actor anymore. And he was in one other movie prior to and, uh, uh, oh, I know what I know what that is. What is it? Actually, I don't know if this is before or after, but the only other movie I've seen him in is Jingle All the Way. That was before. Yep, Jingle All the Way. He was Arnold's son who wants his Turbo Man. Uh, a very yeah. very nineties movie. But uh, I love that movie. Yeah, I liked it too. But back when parents had to drive to all these different stores and wait online, now you click a button, you order it, and you know, well, you might still could be out of stock. But the whole driving, you know, going places aspect is. Uh, Kind of not what it used to be uh, back no. in 1996 when that came out. So yes, that was the only other movie uh, that I knew um, was in. Yeah, but you're right. There was a vision there, and and Disney. I think Disney has said, you know, they didn't want a vision. They kind of wanted each, you know, film to make their own. Each each director to kind of do their own thing. However, first of all, that's a horrible idea. I don't know who thought of that. Um, that's that more would of work like for a, a James Bond movie. Time out. That would work for like if because I don't know. Well, hypothetically, James Bond. Yeah. I was going to say, James Bond doesn't need continuity. It doesn't Correct. need a vision. Each Correct. movie is a yes. standalone movie. <laughs> e- exactly. I mean, you got to know who James Bond is. Maybe you have to know who Money Penny is or who, what his job is. Okay, but after the first 15 minutes, you should be able to figure out who James Bond you, is. Yeah, and you Who you the good guys need... are, who the bad guys are, and go from there. Yeah. So it's You don't not need a, to know those things. Opera. Yeah. It, it, it helps to know those things, but in James Bond, you don't need to know those things. You can pretty you you can make it through a movie just fine without knowing who Money Penny is or Q or, or uh, you'll figure it out. Okay, right, and exactly. even if you, you've never oh that's James Bond's secretary oh she's in other movies and then you you figure it out the way I did when I was a kid and I saw my first couple of James right. Bond movies. You know, it's the not, CIA agent that's always in it. Yeah, there you go. It's not brain surgery, but yeah, but I was thinking because Daniel Craig, it's like each movie in his it's not a trilogy now. Each one is saying something different about the character from his birth to his, you know, the, the, eventually what's mm-hmm. uh, going to lead to, I guess, either retirement or because the new movie's delayed because of COVID-19. And I was thinking, like, what can they do next? And I would just just let great directors go in there. Steven Spielberg has always said he wanted to direct a James Bond movie. Let him do it. Tarantino always said he wanted to direct a James Bond movie. Christopher Nolan, just hire a guy to be James Bond and let him get to work with all these great directors. And you might have some of the most unique experimental unusual James Bond movies cuz James you know it's it's run its course i guess so do something different with it for 10 15 years or so mhm um yeah. yeah so that 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 is a problem and cl- even disney clearly knew it was a problem because they all of a sudden you know uh, things didn't work out with Colin Trevor Trevaro. Um, once the second movie didn't go the way Disney thought it would with the fans, so they rehired J.J. Oh, Abrams exactly. for damage they, control to do what you did for uh, A New Hope, do it for Return of the Jedi, and he said okay, and he was up to the task, and yep. he's soulless, but he knows how to deliver a hit. I mean, sometimes soulless directors are good. I mean, 
I know we uh, you're listening to me, I'll say a lot of great things about uh, Kubrick, Hitchcock, or Scorsese, but sometimes you need, for example, Ron Howard, okay? You give a guy a budget, you give him big, egomaniacal actors, and he produces a good movie almost almost every time, at least a competent, you know, maybe it's not, you know, the best movie of the year, but the man knows how to make a good movie as long as he has a budget of at least $50 million or so. Right. So he couldn't do, you know, maybe what some independent filmmakers could do, but you give him a good budget and good actors, and sometimes you just need that. And didn't he direct Solo, I think, Ron Howard? He kind of saved that Well, movie? he came in late because somebody, the original directors, had to leave or, right, or got right, got, yeah. got fired. So um, And it was a mess, and allegedly he really had a big mess to clean up somehow and salvage. And, and he, it could have been a yeah. Dr. Moreau situation. Yeah, exactly. But he did clean up. He did, you know, make a competent movie. You said that this is the movie that made you think that these these Star Wars movies were just, you know, they weren't the big uh, sacred event that they were Correct. prior. I think yeah. that that started with Solo, and Disney knows that. Because or maybe even they... before Solo, Rogue One. When you start having a Star Wars movie every year... I mean, well, the right. original That's trilogy was every three years. Then it was 16 years between... Uh, Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace. We never thought we'd get another Star Wars movie again after Return of the Jedi. And then we had the prequel trilogy. And then 10 years later, you know, now we're getting one, uh, uh, you know, part of the Skywalker trilogy, I guess you want to call it, every other year. And then in between, they're, you know, giving us Rogue One. They're giving us Solo. And nobody asked for these. And some people liked them. Some people didn't. But it's Star Wars was like Marvel. Where, you know, we went from comic book movies, one every couple of years, you know, maybe in the late 90s or so, and early 2000s, to just overkill and oversaturation. And where you see that Marvel logo before a movie, I remember it used to be cool and special, uh, and I'm not a Marvel guy at all, but I remember thinking, wow, that was really cool. And now it's just, you know, it's like seeing the Warner Brothers logo or the Paramount logo, who cares? Well, and, and Disney knew that that they were going that route, I think, as well, especially once Solo wasn't, you know, turned out to be such a hot mess. I think then they they kind of pumped the brakes. And, yeah, and the stopped. box office wasn't good. And we haven't and we haven't had a Star Wars movie since or a standalone Star Wars movie, whatever. A Star Wars. Story no, this. Yeah, this of. is the only um, the only one after that. Um, right. And then obviously, you know, they have the Mandalorian on, on Disney Plus. Which Did you start I watching that yet? On. I will not. And because one, because of what I said about how Star Wars now to me is like Dexter. Uh, and, and, and Rich and I are, were both fans of Dexter. And we both have the same strong opinions of how it ended, um, where it's just kind of difficult to go back and watch the seasons we loved because we know it ends so badly. Uh, so that's one factor. And another one, I mean, I'm going to get on my soapbox again here and you could kick me off at any time and tell me to, you know, shut up. But uh, it's the death of cinema, as in the movie going cinema. Okay, so they're giving Jon Favreau and I don't know who else. I know there's other directors that are, you know, involved in Mandalorian that are talented and they're giving them freedom and, you know, money and budget and scripts and letting them be ambitious, letting them, you know, have a vision and it's great. The reviews are great. Everyone loves it. And that's good. Good for them. But that's the death of cinema. And you're not going to get that when it comes to the box office because they just want those numbers to be $100 million or $200 million opening weekend if it's a Star Wars movie. And that's all they care about to get those butts in the seats. And, and I just I, I don't like that. And I think that 
it's detrimental to movie going. I mean, obviously COVID was detrimental to, you know, movie theaters, but I think we're looking at where you're really only going to see Avatar, Star Wars, Marvel type event movies in theaters and everything else is going to go straight to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, etc. You name it. Uh, and they've already started that with HBO Max. I, it's amazing to me that any movie that was, you know, premiering simultaneously on HBO Max, like Godzilla vs. Kong did, made $48 million in the opening mm-hmm. weekend. I, and I'm sure I saw it on, on HBO Max and I enjoyed it, but it had, I'm sure it was much better on the big screen. And a part of me wishes that I did go see it on the big screen, but I'd feel like a nincompoop wasting my money. You know what you sound like right now? You sound you you remind me of like an old person who'd be like, "Oh, that Elvis Presley singing that rock and roll." You know, like you're like it sounds like you're you're it's it, the what what you're describing is the way of the future, like it or not, it is. Yes, um, I agree with you. I, if I was and, an up and coming filmmaker, I'd rather have a a. $10 million, $100 million deal, $2 million deal from Netflix and get guaranteed money than Warner Brothers to say, here's, uh, you know, millions of dollars, make a movie, and then maybe the returns will be great and I'll have a huge hit, or maybe they'll flop and I'll never be heard from again. Whereas with exactly. Netflix, Hulu, you have guaranteed money. It's like you're getting, I know, I have a friend who uh, produced a movie for Netflix, okay? And I talked to him about it. He got a flat fee okay he got a flat fee as a producer when shared with other producers and whether that movie becomes one of the most if it becomes the bird box or you know the most talked about most streamed the next uh tiger king type of thing where everyone knows about it everyone talks about it he still gets the same money if nobody watches it and it gets horrible reviews and it just stays there and sits there and nobody clicks to watch it, he still gets the same amount of money. So there's more right. of a safety net there, I guess, whereas, you know, releasing a movie in theaters is a big gamble. You could lose money or you could make a lot of money. Well, like you said, you get the artistic freedom, too, and that's the biggest thing because the big studios want you to make a hit and it's all about the numbers whereas yeah. these streaming services they don't care they if don't it's care a hit. they don't they care want they don't even want it to go in theaters think of the irishman no. roma marriage story those were great directors okay uh, scorsese noah bomback and uh, good films alfonso Cuarón, and excellent you know unique directors visionary films that they probably wouldn't have the same freedom if they went through the studio system through a warner brothers a paramount a universal certainly not a disney um so yeah they you know got to do what they wanted and i think in that way you need to kind of embrace it because yeah you're losing the the cinema aspect of it but the cinema piece is like you said in a way is you know detrimental to art i think that's sad and i think that's sad that it became so much more you know about the business and to me the proof that mandalorian is as good as you say and as good as everybody says and i believe it okay i rich you and i agree most times Mm -hmm. okay when you tell me jay you should watch this Nine times out of ten, I come back and say, thanks, Rich, you were right. I never would have watched that otherwise. And vice versa, except when it's science fiction. We all know Rich has a little bit of a problem with uh, 
uh, science fiction. And there is a certain listener that really wants me to recommend uh, science fiction movies, but they're all, all the ones that, that I could force you to watch, that, that I would want you to watch, have really good ratings on, on Rotten Tomatoes. So I did find one, but I don't know if that's going to be, I, I don't know if that's going to be this the next pick, but I well, did find one movie. We're discussing science fiction right now, so I'm not 100% against it. You know, yeah, you know the four-letter word for Star me. Wars is Star Wars, it's a, Star Wars is a very different, you know, yes, like we said, Star Wars and Blade Runner would both be in science fiction if we were in a video store. However, other than maybe a few, you know, elements of both of those pictures, Star Wars is more fantasy, uh, you know, but... Uh, Whereas Blade Runner is, I don't know, more like Star Trek, I suppose. The future, mankind, political, yeah. human issues, and whatever. All right, so, but anyway, uh, yeah, there's there's certain genres, I suppose, that you're a little biased against watching. Um, and, yeah, hey, but, I have my own, to try to get me to watch yeah. an anime movie, and it's, uh, it's not easy, so. So, anyway, going back to what we were talking about... Um, Anyway, so I don't know how we got sidetracked here, but um, well, because yeah. uh, Mandalorian and how it's—I said yeah. you could t- tell me to get off my soapbox at any time. How it's the death of cinema, just right. how Mandalorian's Wait, and, good, and to me, and Skywalker it's, it's, was bad. It's like rock and roll; you just have to embrace it. It's it's the new way things are going, and I'm sure things. I don't think cinema will ever be dead. But this is just a different yeah. way. And I wouldn't want to open up a movie theater right about now. Let's no. Say that. Okay. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Agree. Nor would I want to have any stock in AMC or Regal or any movie theater. Uh, chain well, AMC got. So you want to talk about stocks? If if we have a stock podcast one day, the AMC stock uh, went went skyrocketed, but then went went back down. I think it's back up again though. See, and I'm surprised um, the government didn't do any. I know directors were pleading to Congress for a bailout or something, and yeah. I'm surprised that they, they did for the auto industry. I guess cars are more important than movies. Let's not deny it. Everyone needs to get to work <laughs> or wherever well, they have to Reddit, go. Well, Reddit kind of did its own thing and got people to buy the stock, which oh. drove up the price. So uh, AMC stock is much higher than it should be because of read it uh, oh, but again okay. different different podcast different podcast okay. yes we're, we could be on c uh you could you could be on cnbc uh this is news to me so that's good that you know this stuff all right yeah uh well whenever you have a minute google amc stock it's a it's a great story uh gamestop was always along with i that. heard about gamestop that was that was big, same big same games. idea okay same, same idea. idea i did not hear about that with amc but oh yep. i heard amc was you know it was a little bit big yeah i do i do remember hearing this and not now it's as, in the toilet again yeah, not as much as GameStop, but it did have its day. Um, all right. So anyway, all right. So let's get into the movie. Um, Anything else we want to say about Star Wars or about 2019, the year in film? It was only two years ago, so it's fairly recent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was fairly recent. What what won Best Picture? In, best in Picture 19? of the Year. This is another one of the very rare times where what I said was Best Picture actually ended up winning the Academy Awards. Uh, Parasite. Parasite. Won Best Picture. I love Parasite. Uh, Parasite, Midsummer, Uncut Gems, The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Those are some of the movies mm. that were on my top ten. Uh, Marriage Story I mentioned. Uh, so it, it was in 2019 actually started out as a horrible year for movies i remember and then the last from october november december the last three months was like every week there was at least one sometimes two movies where i was like oh my god that was amazing so uh maybe that's another reason why rise of skywalker and its flaws really stood out to me because i probably saw it sandwiched between two movies that i really really loved 
uh, one of which I know being Uncut Gems. I'm not sure what the other one was, but I probably liked it more than Rise of Skywalker. So yeah, um, I, I the only one of those movies I saw special. Well, I saw in the theater too. Was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I do need to see some of those other ones, but you never saw Irishman. Oh, it's yeah, I did see Irishman. Yeah, you saw, I mean, I, it was I saw long, Irishman. Yeah, but I didn't was, see was, Midsummer, yeah. and I liked Irishman. I did. Yeah. Um, I remember we we had our doubts about the de aging and everything, and it wasn't yes. as bad as we thought. And it, it ended up, <laughs> and that's a certain movie that that I would say grew on me in appreciation. Where at first I was like, did it need to be that long? And then I started thinking, and I actually did one day a few months ago actually go back and re- not all in one sitting, but I did go back and rewatch all of it, and I was like. Wow, that was Scorsese still got it, and it was just—it was really a great, great movie. Um, and yeah, you, I want to go back need to and see watch Parasite. You need—you really got to see Parasite. It's phenomenal. Yeah, no, I, I will. Is it on? Uh, I don't know. It's I'll, streaming I'll it on Hulu, I believe. And obviously, right. that's not a movie I could possibly ever do for this podcast. Probably has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all right, so the, like you said, this movie came out in 2019. It's the most recent movie that we've discussed. Um, I saw this in the theater, as did you. I actually mm-hmm. I saw it on opening night, I guess. Um, yeah. I, yes, it was opening night. Um, I went with a friend, a mutual friend that we have. Funny story about getting going to the movie. First of all, the movie theater is about 30 seconds from my house. You could throw a stone and hit it. I, and, I do remember going to see one movie with you at that yeah. particular theater, yes. I think we um, saw Solo together there. Maybe that makes sense. I think um, that's the only time I went. I remember going to you, and then we went straight to see uh, Solo. So yeah. Okay. Um, and then um, so we were on our way there, and I needed gas, so I stopped to get gas. And then after getting gas, my car wouldn't start. Um, oh, I, I didn't which, know this story. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that we were like panicking because we you know, we didn't leave ourselves much time because the movie theater is so close. Right. Um, turns out my, my battery just died. Oh, um, that's unfortunate when that had that happen to me. That's unfortunate though. That, yeah. yeah so to go. Yeah. eventually, yeah, we got a guy, a guy to jump us, um, in the parking lot at the, at the Wawa where I was getting gas and, uh, we made it. I remember getting into the movie just as the word star Wars flashed up. on. So the you're probably like, woo. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate, but uh, at least you had reserved seats, I assume. And so you just, yeah, yeah. It was right reserved there. seating. And All right, so that wasn't good, an yeah. issue. It was just getting to the theater. Um, But, uh, yeah, so um, that was my adventure getting to the movie. Um, So the movie is um, the... The synopsis is that when it's discovered that the that the evil Emperor Palpatine did not die at the hands of Darth Vader, the rebels must race against the clock to find out his whereabouts. Finn and Poe lead the resistance to put a stop to the First Order's plans to form a new empire, uh, while Rey anticipates her inevitable confrontation with Kylo Ren. Um, This movie stars Carrie Fisher... Gets top billing here as Leia Organa. Oh, Mark I didn't Campbell. realize she got top billing. Very yeah. interesting. I'm, well, we can we can tell why they did that. So. Right. Uh, Mark <laughs> Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, Daisy Ridley as Rey, John Boyega as Finn, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, uh, Naomi Aki as uh, Jana, I guess her name is. I don't think they ever actually say her name. I even know who that is, so you'll have to tell uh, me who that is when we get to it. It's the girl that um, Finn meets that's like they're like oh, riding the okay. horses. Oh, okay, the one that could have been his love interest, and then Lando comes in at the end, and I was like, what What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Even that was um, confusing. <laughs> yeah, Dem Hall Gleason, Dom Hall Gleason, 
uh, plays General Hux, and Richard E. Grant plays uh, General Pride. Um, so let's talk about the cast real quick. I mean, obviously we know Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, um, Harrison Ford has a brief cameo. Um, and, so they and all... I was, yeah, I was going to say one thing though. You tend to, this is the second movie where you've picked, or at least in my opinion, Harrison Ford is once again, the best part of this movie. Um, what was the other movie? Indiana Jones 4. Oh, Indiana Jones. This is the um, second movie you've picked for this podcast where, I mean, you've always said, we, he, uh, Rich and I have discussed, uh, you know, our favorite actors, and his always seems to come back to Harrison Ford. You, you do have a knack for picking, he, when he, even when he is in a bad movie, at least with these two, which I would consider ba- a bad movie, I can't say anything bad about Harrison Ford in this movie. I think he has by far the best scene. And a lot of people hate that scene from what I've read online. I personally had no problem with it. I didn't, I don't. When we get to it, I thought it worked on two levels. I thought it was great. And that, that rejuvenated me. I'm like, okay, maybe this gets better. Even the second time around. Yeah. For me, it didn't, but go on. All right. So, um, Adam Driver, um, comes back as Kylo Ren, um, Daisy Ridley is right. I thought they were both great in this movie. Um, I, I, I know Adam Driver is probably the most successful of all. Well, him and Oscar Isaac, right, are probably the most I successful. I would say Adam Driver maybe even more. Uh, you just look at his career uh, in a sh- short span in less than a decade. I mean, from, from what I know, he got started on Girls, which was an HBO right. show. I could never really get into it. I think it's it's really, I'm not the right demographic for it, but it's like, kind of like a realistic sex in the city. They don't have perfect jobs. They don't have designer dresses and handbags, but they're young women trying to, you know, find jobs, keep their jobs, work, live, survive, date in New York City, like fresh out of college. And I, I feel like it has seems very realistic, and he was a... Uh, love interest in a few seasons of that from what I believe and then he went on and I think he's done some terrific Mm -hmm. non-Star Wars movies Uh, he worked with the Coen brothers in Inside Lewin Davis he worked with Jim Jarmusch in Patterson which is I think one of he should have gotten an Oscar nomination uh, or a win for that Uh, and of course he was nominated twice I think in consecutive years in 2018 for Black Klansman Best Supporting Actor, and then in 2019 for Best Actor for Marriage Story. So he's got dramatic chops and comedic chops from his work in, I guess, Girls and certainly in uh, the Coen Brothers movie that he did. Did you, did you see the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live skit where it's undercover boss Kylo Ren? Yes, but I don't remember it. So. It's funny. They, okay. they did two, um, but the original one, it was. I, I remember, I, every once in a while, I'll go on YouTube and, and watch that. I, I think he's really good in that, really funny, and does a really good. So he can do um, comedy. That's good. Okay. Does a really good satire on himself. <laughs> was, okay. And he was a Marine, too, before he yeah. was an actor. He was a Marine. I believe yeah. he served in Afghanistan or Iraq or something. So he's, you know, he's tough. He's not, you know. Just some guy. And he also has unconventional looks. I don't think you look at him and say, oh, what a heartthrob. He's kind of, you know, like the way they said in Fargo about Steve Buscemi, kind of funny looking. At least I think. I, I don't know. Um, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's more of like an everyman. You know, yeah, you can see him on go. the streets. and Correct. And not, 
look twice at them, whereas, Correct, yeah. you know, most movie stars, you know... Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio or right. young Harrison Ford, they're like, whoa, who's that? Okay, so, yeah, he yeah, doesn't no, have... he's not. He's, he's got not a very realm. average-looking... Yeah, he looks like he could be an everyman uh, sort of mm-hmm. thing going for him. Which is interesting, um, they made him Kylo Ren, but whatever. Yeah, but good casting, I think, because I think he, he works as Kylo Ren. Um... Daisy Ridley, um, I think, is good as Ray. I, I know, I know, she's been in at least one or two other movies that I've heard of, but I yeah. haven't seen her in any. The else. only other thing that I think I saw her in was um, uh, I didn't like it. Kenneth Branagh, Agatha Christie movie. I'm blanking on the. Oh, Murder on Orient Express. Oh yeah, I did see that. I, I forgot did not she was like in that. that movie. Yeah, she was in that. And she's beautiful. Uh, I think I liked her the most in Force Awakens, and I think that's because she was new. And then Last Jedi did some different stuff with her, and I was like, okay. And then this just sort of said, nah, forget all that, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I mean, just, I thought she, she was yeah, good she in was all of them. Serviceable in this, she's not bad. I'll say, that. but she, her, and uh, Adam Driver are the only two actors that have any sort of arc throughout this trilogy. They started arcs with John Boyega and Oscar Isaac and uh, the, the Kelly Marie Tran, the uh, Asian actress. Okay, they started arcs with them, and I don't know if it's because of internet fan feedback, negative you know comments from fans that got really nasty, especially towards her. Um, toward or, Kelly Marie Tran, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, geez, okay. Well, and this so was, much. This was pre-Wuhan uh, COVID-19, uh, uh, yeah. where it was so the anti-Asian sentiment or just hatred for her character uh, was, whoa. I and, mean. And, and and I think that's the reason that she isn't even, I didn't even mention her in the cast yeah. because she's literally, I mean, she has... Uh, maybe m- one or two more lines than an extra would in a movie. She was the Jar Jar Binks of this series. Yes, she never yes. went away because Jar Jar Binks was in the two prequel movies after Phantom Menace. But the fan, the backlash against her character, whereas Jar Jar Binks, I understood. Uh, but this, yeah, I don't understand just, this one either. Uh, I just because she's not beautiful. I don't know. Because uh, she's Asian, I don't understand what it was. I, I don't but, know what yeah, it was. I mean, but she's not a. There was definitely she was she was basically you know, and, and <laughs> Star Wars, which is supposed to be about you know, like I said, for everybody, all encompassing. It succumbed to peer pressure. It succumbed to internet bullying and said, "All right, no, you're not good enough. Have three lines and go away in the background. Stay on the planet while everyone else goes and gets to do cool stuff and save the galaxy." Yeah, like, but Jar Jar Binks, that the same thing happened with Lucas, so you can't even. Yeah, but with Jar Jar Binks, one, it was a CGI whatever that they accused of racist for having a Jamaican accent. So it was like the reverse, okay? It yeah. was like they were saying yeah. Lucas was racist when he didn't intend to be. Here, mm-hmm. they're just saying, we hate you, and she happens to be Asian. I, I it's, it's Yeah, I don't know if her bad. race is a part of it, but... Oh, um, I definitely I, think it was. I'm sure it could. you could argue that. Who, who knows what the real driving force... I mean, it may be a combination of all those things, but yeah, um, yeah I mean... That was bad, and and John Boyega has come out and said, uh, yeah, his how he you know he feels his character was, uh, you know, just mishandled and. Yeah. and- did, oh, he started out, yeah, the main, the opening scene of Force Awakens, he was the main character, a stormtrooper that has a conscience that goes against the First Order or whatever it was called. That was some pretty heavy-duty, interesting stuff. And then he just, uh, they, uh, he has no arc. He does stuff in the second movie. He could be big, but then in the third, he's, 
Everyone is there. pushed. Everyone is pushed to the wayside except for Kylo Ren and Rey. They're the only two people that matter, and that actually get to have some sort of arc with their characters, and not just stand there and you know service the plot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, he 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 had a lightsaber in the first movie. Everyone thought that he was going to be the the Jedi in that movie, and then the you know the twist of the first. Uh, movie in this in this trilogy was that you know it was actually Daisy Ridley and not him. Yeah. Do you um, think do you think that's maybe some feedback from the internet and there's maybe some racism there? I, I mean it's just it's I crazy. The only I, two I white know. actors, the two white clean cut. Okay, because Oscar Isaac is Guatemalan actually. Okay, I know he could play. He could be you know I you know he could be, he, could be uh, his, he is Hispanic but he could be uh, or of Latino descent but he could be Jewish he could be Italian he has that dark ethnic sort of like Sylvester Stallone look to him I guess where he could be or like Tony Shalhoub he could be any he could be Arabic okay he could be you know any Middle Eastern yeah. any religion uh, or ethnicity I mean but um, the two clean cut white bread looking you know characters are the two that. Well, get you know treated well in this movie or in this trilogy by I, the I think I, I think after the second movie there wasn't enough for JJ Abrams to do with those characters in such a little time when he really needed to advance the Adam yeah. Driver and Daisy Ridley not because they're you know they're of their race or anything but because yeah. they're the two main characters of this trilogy well, I mean, John Boyega he, was set up I thought to be a main character like you said and he's just sort of he's there well, he that, does and his that, job. that's a fault of the second movie I think where he kind of just gets stuck mm-hmm. in a role and, and there was no advancement there so how much can you really do at the end when you have you know so many things to tie up but even let's think about Han Solo in the original trilogy he was not Luke he was not the son of Darth Vader he was not the Jedi he was not you know he was just the everyman and but his character comes full circle from being I don't care I'm a you know in it for myself in it for the money to you know being right but Han Solo had Empire Strikes Back which is almost you could argue his movie as much as it is Luke's where it's all three of them it's all of them yeah right John Boyega did not have that in the second film I'm just saying I I don't know what the reason is I but I don't think there was anything left for them to do at this point because they were just stranded in the second movie I mean Oscar Isaac actually did advance his character a lot because he kind of came up out of nowhere and you know tried to establish himself as a leader and a general and you know he that whole weird subplot of the second movie where like they weren't telling him their plan for no reason other than for him to kind of be mad about it you yeah know? Like yeah, that, yeah that's true that, yeah that was kind of weird but it did like give him some kind of you know arc whereas John Boyega just didn't do anything he was just yeah. he was he was doing a mission but it didn't have any his there was no change in his character nothing it was just he was just there doing stuff like I, he was yeah. in this movie I'm um, recalling J.J. Abrams dropped the ball here, I think, with Oscar Isaac because you could have, you know, he he wasn't completely ignored in the second movie. He actually, you know, there was a, more to his character in the second movie, so there could have been more in this third movie. And I mean, they do they do make him the acting general after you know Carrie Fisher, uh, I mean, um, uh, Princess Princess Leia passes right. away, um, but. Again, he didn't really do anything. You know, yeah. he's just like, oh, no one's coming. Everyone yeah. just give up. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's a million chips there. And it's yeah, like, oh, exactly. <laughs> well, um, you, you do touch on a good point with Last Jedi that I want to mention. I do, I do say this in my review, and so I want to mention it. I'll just mention it here. 
I guess a complaint, I was like, Last Jedi had so much in it. I was like, what could they possibly do for the third movie? It's like Ryan Johnson, maybe he backed them into a corner. Because, you know, you killed General Snoke, who we thought was going to be the Palpatine of this one. You, you establish all this crazy stuff in two and a half hours where that felt like the end. It felt like, what what can they possibly do? They were, I guess there's really just only stuff to do with Daisy Ridley and Kylo Ren, and that was it. And I just, so I guess that was a flaw of the second movie, and I guess Disney didn't prepare for that, or weren't, because it wasn't a single person's vision. I was so, going to say, that, that goes back to they're not being a They vision. didn't have the roadmap. They didn't say, right. part one is this, part two is that, part three is this is how we close it out. They didn't have that. Lucas had that for the prequel trilogy. We don't need... We No one needed or wanted a two and a half hour movie about Darth Vader as a little kid. But he did, and we got it. And for better or worse, it fits with his other movies. Okay? Right. This was just... Yeah, I... It's like they said, J.J. Abrams, do this and make everybody happy. I felt like he may have had marching orders to make a rehash of The New Hope. But... I, I- yeah, maybe. Um, I agree with you that The Last Jedi, I like The Last Jedi as a movie. I yeah. don't like The Last Jedi as a second movie because it's almost, it should either be a third movie or a first movie. I because agree. Yeah. there wasn't enough, like at the end of that movie, even I remember thinking like, okay, I like that movie, but like, what are they going to do? What can they do next? One movie yeah. next <laughs> they threw like, they everything like in movies. the kitchen sink at you all at the same time. Yeah. Right. They needed like three more movies or, or two more movies, or, you know, like, to actually go somewhere. I mean, And why couldn't they just do two more movies? I know three is a magic number, and I guess... That's but, why. But, you know, because three is a magic number, but wouldn't, if they did a fourth movie with the adventures of Kylo Ren and Rey and all the... Couldn't they have... I mean, people would have bought tickets to it, whether they liked it or not. People complained I, I, and hated the prequel trilogy. They still bought tickets to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I, the, the thing about The Last Jedi is, it, like I said, if you're going to have that go that direction and, and throw that much at you, then, you like I said, it, that should have been the first movie. Instead, the first movie really was just a nostalgia fest yep. Yep. Uh, rehash of A New Hope, which didn't give us really much new. Um, no. Well, it, it, introduced, than, the it, introduced, it introduced the characters. It didn't tell us where they were going or what they were doing, and it was fun. I remember sitting there and and seeing Force Awakens and thinking, "Wow, that was fun." I remember thinking with Last Jedi, "Wow, that was not what I what I expected." And then I remember thinking with Rise of Skywalker, "Okay, that was terrible. I'm done. I'm just I I called you on the ride home and I was like, "Man, this was this was so bad. This was Well, and 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 like I said, um I I think that the the first movie in the trilogy was too much of an introduction mm-hmm. and not enough new material for uh, for the last Jedi. I think the last Jedi. Like I said the the whole thing goes back to lack of vision. But the last Jedi really painted this third film into a corner, yeah. and I don't know if anyone could have done any better than what J.J. Abrams did. But they, I mean, it maybe just felt like maybe damage take control some and like focus risks. groups. Yeah, it felt yeah. like you said director by committee. It just and no other Star Wars movie for better or worse 
felt like that. Maybe Force Awakens, but I feel like J.J. Abrams, that's his specialty. Repackaging nostalgia, you know, he did it with Super 8 to an extent. He certainly right. did it with the Star Trek, his Star Trek movies. Um, so, he, he just... No, I, I agree, and, um, you know, it, it really goes back to... You know, like I said, there was no vision there. No one knew where to go. Um, yeah, J.J. Abrams didn't. You know, the last the 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 in this movie, you know, I, I don't know how it could have been any better. Uh, some of it was damage control. Some of it was just like, well, where do I go with this story now? And and how do I wrap up this trilogy with one more film? I, I that, can think of really how, but I mean, that's a, that's a whole podcast for another thing. Because throwing in Palpatine was. Such an to me, it, when you told me, I think I remember you telling me when the trailer was out, the new uh, you know Skywalker trailer's out, Palpatine's in it, and I just thought, what, really? Yeah. Like I was, it just reeked of desperation to me, and I this was before, way before I saw it, way before the reviews. I was like, so he survived. What, well, here's, you know, here's and the then he's there for happened. 40 plus years. And I know the reason it happened, uh, but I, I uh, that, well, yeah, yeah, me it, it had to happen because they Ryan Johnson killed Snoke, so there was no big bad because you knew I Make mean, every, Kylo I think, Ren the big bad. But everyone and their mother knew that Kylo Ren was going to be redeemed. Once you find out he's the son of Han Solo, he's not going to end as a bad guy. Make Luke the big bad. Makes I mean, there's <laughs> a million dead. different things they could have done. There's a million things. Make Rey the big bad. You, you can't make Luke Skywalker the big Why bad not? guy. He's Why the not? hero. In the, in the treatment I read online, which obviously was complete, you know, BS... Luke, it was kind of like an Apocalypse Now type story. And uh, Luke was the Colonel Kurtz where he had gone mad. And he was like this hermit living with the Force and controlling evil things and doing, you know, why not? You could have. I'm not saying I would like it, but it's WrestleMania weekend. If Eric Bischoff could make Hulk Hogan bad and join the NWO, you can make Luke Skywalker bad. You can't make Luke Skywalker bad. You, you absolutely can't could. I'm not... Star Wars to wrestling. Sure, no, you can. Stop they're it. both they're both soap operas. They're both myths. You oh, can't stop you know, just because you respect one and not the other. <laughs> no, one of it is complete. I mean, you could yeah. Hulk Hogan's the enemy this week, and then next week he's the hero again. It's... Well, well, now that's what they do. But at the time, Hulk Hogan was the <laughs> he was the golden boy. He was the you know he you, him turning heel was unimaginable prior to him actually doing it. So that's why when he did it, it was such a, oh my God, it became news. <laughs> All right? It yeah, but that's, yeah. that's different. You're not, you, they're not going to tarnish. The one thing Disney is not going to do is they're not going to tarnish the legacy. Oh, so they don't want to take characters. risks. They don't want to yes, take risks. Yes, exactly. You're right. Oh, You're right. so they so they just want to give people happy comfort food. And that's yes. all this movie kind of felt like, well, that's then that's a problem. Okay. Empire Strikes Back took risks. Right, but again, this is not Disney. That. Okay, so if you'll this defend is, Disney, I I, mean, I don't know I'm not how defending much of this Disney. is going to blame I, Disney I, for this, but I, I'm not it, defending it, Disney. I'm just calling it what it is. Okay, well, there's a lot of things you can use your imagination, Rich. You're a smart guy. I, I can come. We could sit here and spend time coming of, up with different scenarios about what they could have done besides what was done. Of and course, I, of course, if we used our imaginations and if we had artistic freedom to do whatever we wanted without fear of 
uh, or without someone, A, someone telling us, or B, fear of tarnishing a legacy, then yes, you could But instead they tarnished the film. legacy that with what they did. But they had to work within... I don't think they tarnished the legacy. They oh, maybe tarnished we, the, these last three movies, you, but... For me, start with the last three movies. Uh, when we get into talking about Palpatine, I really, I, I just, uh, you right, can well, tell me when to shut up when we get let, it, when we get let's, there. Let's let's start now. So okay, the, fine. Opens up. The, yeah, yeah. The movie opens up with the the opening crawl. You know, it's the traditional Star Wars stuff. Say the first three um, lines. Palpatine lives or something. The like dead that. speak. Oh, the, the, the dead speak. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, the dead speak, What is this? Yeah. A horror movie? <laughs> um. Palpatine lives. Basically, the, the opening straw says Palpatine is alive. Ray is training, and Kylo Ren is having a hissy fit and uh, trying to dis- trying to locate where Palpatine is because he's threatened by him. Um, so that's how that's the opening crawl, and then you know it starts off with um, I guess I, I had read that that's Mustafar, which is where. Uh, Darth Vader. Oh, I, guess. I don't know any planets' names in this besides Endor and Tatooine. So, that's, yeah. well, Mustafar. So if you want, to, if you get into that, I'm just gonna, you know, sure, nod and say you're probably. Mustafar right. is where um, Anakin and Obi Wan fight the the lava planet. Okay, I don't remember that, but all right. They're a big fight. They're a big. Uh, I know the fight. I know the big fight in Revenge of the Sith. That's one of the greatest yeah. scenes from the entire prequel trilogy. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's where that, that's the planet. I couldn't tell you if if it was trivia and they asked what was the name of the planet. I, I, it's not Tatooine. It's not Endor. Other than, it's not Alderaan. Other than that, I don't know. So what about the snow planet? You know that. that Oh, you're right. Okay. It's not, it's definitely not Hoth. So yeah, yeah, it's the opposite of Hoth. (laughs) Here's a joke. It's Kolth. It's what? Kolth. Kolth. <laughs> that that's actually that's not my joke. That's from Family Guy and one of the. I was gonna say guys. that sounds like a Family Guy. Joke. Yeah, where they have this one of those guys. Yeah, why do they call it Hoth? They should call it Kolth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So. Well, the Family Guy. Listen, those three episodes where they do the three Star Wars movies are fantastic. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um. Especially, <laughs> never mind. Um, anyway, <laughs> of, we could go off on because now yeah. I'm thinking of great moments from the something so something something, something I, I dark need to side. Stop. All right, yeah. yeah, but it opens up like all the other Star Wars movies do in space. Right away, the scroll mentions that Emperor Palpatine has mysteriously returned. Mm-hmm. Plot contrivance, in my opinion. It shows some spaceships moving towards a red planet, which is the Mustafar you were talking about, which is one of which is piloted by Kylo Ren, Adam Driver. He lands on the planet, you know. Well, actually, no, there's some fighting right away, isn't there? Yeah, he's slaughtering people. Right, right. He's just like in an angry fit of rage, slaughter. And yeah, hissy that looked fit. Kind of cool, hissy fit. Yeah. yeah, that looked cool. Yeah, it, that that was good. And then he finds, you know, this this thing that he needs called, I guess it's called a wayfinder, which will show you how to get to the mysterious Sith planet of yeah. uh, Exegol. It's called. Um, oh, look at you! <laughs> yeah, so that's where they're trying to get to. I mean, I, listen, I've never heard of it until this movie. I'm sure. I'm sure and, it didn't exist until this movie. And, and if any of our listeners are like huge Star Wars fans and all the lore and all that nonsense, I I, I know the films and I don't know anything else. Nor do I want to know anything else. Rich, I'm gonna I, say you know them better than me. And I read a couple Star Wars books back in the day that are obviously non-canonical uh, to these films. Now they are. Yeah. Yeah, but my favorite one was called Truce at Bakora. It takes place literally minutes after the celebration of 
uh, Return of the Jedi. So Wedge is one of, is in there. It's Luke yeah. and Wedge and Leia working together. And it, I, I was, God, I was a kid. But I love that book. And then there was a series. There were some other ones that I read. Uh, so, But I think at this point in our lives, I think you know more about Star Wars films or otherwise than I do. Probably the films, and and I've seen the Mandalorian. I never saw any of the cartoons, the Clone Wars. None Neither of that have stuff. I. I did not. Yeah, um, but uh, I have no I, idea. Yeah. And there's a lot of references to that stuff in, um, in, in the Mandalorian that I don't get. That I usually have to Google or text one of one of our friends. Oh, that would that annoy stuff. me. That would annoy me so much. I'm glad yeah. I don't watch it. Okay, I made um, the right decision. <laughs> well, there's some. It's not overbearing, but there's definitely some. Um, okay. <laughs> But anyway, um, so yeah, so this movie, um, so so he he finds this wayfinder which takes him to Exegol, and then he immediately. I mean, there's a lot of action in the first few minutes. Yeah, and movie. Kylo Ren does look cool, violently ravaging random souls. Right. Like, I can't say they're all people, uh, but, but yeah, then nothing no comes of it. You know, like we already know he's aggressive. We already know he's unstable. This did not add anything to him, but I guess just a cool visual to open up on. Uh, no, I think it's just reinforcing the fact that he's not, you know, he's evil and, you know, they have to make him look, you know, extra evil in order for the payoff for him when he turns to be good again. You know, it's like, oh, oh yeah, you know, he was I'm rolling people. my eyes as you speak. <laughs> he was, not not he because of you, but people. yeah, like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, um, so then he's you know he goes to Exegol, um, you know for a, for a hidden planet, you know he he found it pretty easily I thought, um, but I guess he had that little triangle thing, so that made it better. Um, <laughs> so he gets there and he immediately is uh, he starts hearing the voice of Palpatine, who tells him that he was he well, first of all he says something like um, I forget what he says, but but. Adam Driver has this line, and I don't know if it's it's the line, it's the delivery, it's everything. It's so bad. He goes, "I killed Snoke. I'll kill you." I, I, I <laughs> yeah, that I rem- so bad. People complain about the dialogue and the acting in the prequel trilogy. This movie is about on par at moments with some of the worst mo- uh, moments of those, and I think everyone that was here one of them is a better actor than Hayden Christensen. Okay. Yes. I, Hayden Christensen to me is the George Lazenby. He's you know right there with Brandon Routh and George Lazenby as this actor that got this huge role that was not worthy of getting mm-hmm. said role. So, um, but whatever. I mean, go on. So this this has moments of that. That was a Hayden Christensen esque moment. It was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, but other than that moment, that was the wor- I think that line for me was the worst of of those kind of moments in this movie. Um, so then, then Palpatine, yeah, so then you find out that, you know, basically, you know, it teases that Rey is not who he thinks she is, which we found out in the last movie that her parents were nobodies, which was, which I thought was so cool. Exactly. Because Because Anakin, what was Anakin? It was original. Nobody. Right. You know, so the force can just be randomly, you know, sometimes there's random, you know, great people, okay, that are just, you know, born with skills and talents that, you know, Steph Curry was a child of an NBA, uh, you know, Uh, all-star. LeBron James was a nobody, okay? Uh, Mm -hmm. So sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. Um, Yeah, so you find out there that... um, Palpatine basically created Snoke and Snoke was a puppet and he's been pulling the strings behind this at all times. 
um, behind the whole thing for the last, you know, 40-some years or whatever. Um, they don't say how he was resurrected or how he's alive. All they do is cover it up with a line that was used, that was taken from the prequels, which was uh, the dark side of the Force is something, you know, is, you know, where many things that are considered unnatural or something like that, um, which was yeah. a line directly lifted from... Um, Revenge of the Sith. The Sith. And it sounds yeah. dark and ominous and spooky without saying much, so it's sort mm. of just a, this'll cover up <laughs> yeah, any, exactly. you know, just to cover our tracks a little bit. Yep. I, I just, you know, to me, that opening, the first 10, 15 minutes or so, had such potential to be a, wow, great opening scene, and instead it was just, a, they just ruined a big surprise right away. I mean, imagine if it was like Apocalypse Now and you don't get to see Palpatine until the last, you know, third of the movie. That would have been something interesting, I think. But this just sort of just, oh, here he is. And yep, here he is. Then we don't really see him again until, the once, like I said, the last third of the movie, kind of. So. Yeah, yeah. other than so, some brief, a brief hologram or, or something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, um, then, you know, you have, then they it cuts to... Um, Oscar Isaac and Finn on the well, Falcon and can we can we go talk, well, one second can we talk about the inclusion of Palpatine now or do you want to do that later do it now because well first of all he also says that he has a, you know it's it's going to be the final order which is you know the first order is, is the bad guy so now it's going to be the final order and he has all these ships come out of the I don't know what they come out of water yeah that <laughs> bothered me too okay I mean just this first 15 minutes or so whatever it is this first scene which could have been if done right so oh my god this you know make him a real threat this was nothing more than fan service since nobody cared about snoke and or that he was just killed off in the last picture like it was nothing there's no logical reason for palpatine to be in this movie and if there was, I wish they would have explored it more. I'm not saying, okay, obviously Palpatine, I guess it's sort of like a Hail Mary pass. Like, we're going to do this, and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But if it works, it's going to be a touchdown, and we're going to win the game. It, it, they, they fumbled, okay? The dark planet in the depths of space with evil hidden Sith lords that you don't really see, that could have been a real creative place to spend some time on. It looked a little bit like something like out of the Matrix or out of Dark City, but nope, not in this movie. It's just a plot contrivance. So Kylo Ren is the Darth Vader answering to his grandfather's boss is all it is. And he has an army of planet-killing star destroyers that he just uses the force and raises up from underground. Where were they all along? Why did he... My biggest question, why did he wait 40 years to use this? How is he still alive? Why is he not dead? There were so many things that they could have explored with this dark side of the force and all its mystery that I would have liked to have known. But they didn't do it. And, you know, why did he wait and make his presence be known now and choose now to be the time to strike back? I was like, why is any of this happening once that scene was over? Why is it not explained when it could have been so dark and cool? And my other big question is, why did people just blindly accept this? So that was my reaction. If you have any answers to that, that's fine. I'm done. You know, that's... that's... I, I have no answers. Okay, all right. <laughs> I know he was brought back because they needed a big bad and... Um, they probably need, we're trying to get some excitement for this movie and, 
Um, it got you excited enough to text me after you saw the trailer and before I saw it. So I, I was cu- well, I was excited that he was back. I thought that there would be an explanation or, like you said, uh, some reasoning behind all of this. But yet there was none. And well, we you just... said the reason was we needed a big bad. The script needed a big bad because it can't. No, just well, that's be Kylo the, that's the real reason. I meant in the movie. I thought yeah. you know the movie would explore the reasoning or, or I wanted them to. Questions. Yeah, like there's there like didn't it look cool that like sort of theater. Stadium of those dark Sith lords in their chairs and oh yeah, and the chanting. Who are they? What and... are they doing? Yeah, what, what what is all this? I would have loved to have seen more of that. Spent make half the movie that, and it would have been worth it. That reminds me of uh, there's a Saturday Night Live skit with Jerry Seinfeld as the host. It was called Stand Up and Win, and it was kind of like Jeopardy for stand up comics. And uh, one of the co- the um, the the board would give them a starting line and then the stand-up comic would have to finish it. And that's how like, it was kind of like jeopardy in that way. Okay. And, uh, one of the categories was seven 11 employees. <laughs> then the, the stand-up comedian goes, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's funny. That's good. Are, now are all these uh, SNL skits you're suggesting me to watch or your recommending? Are they, here's, here's the bar. Okay. I'm going to set the bar and you got to tell me if it's better or worse than are they, on where are they ranking in terms of David S. Pumpkins? Um, they're they're around there. I, around there, yeah. okay. So that's high praise because Rich and you, I both you like loved David S. Pumpkins? David Pumpkins. I loved. It was our yeah. other friend that I think you saw the movie with that you referenced before who did not like David Pumpkins. I found it hilarious, and I I can watch that every so often on YouTube. Me too. Every questions. Halloween, yeah, or yeah. just whenever. Yeah, any questions? So yeah. Yeah, that everything everything I say from Saturday Night Live is is usually around that kind of. Uh, so for you, it's on par. So then I definitely yeah. need to see these. So you'll have to uh, text that, me them yeah, and tell me what they are later, and I'll look them up. Okay. That one is called Stand Up and Win. So if you stand can stand up and it, win with Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry and Kylo Seinfeld Ren, undercover boss. Okay. Yes, those two are both good. Okay. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, I, I I agree. It was a cool concept, you know, the big stadium, the big statues of the Sith Lords, and everything. yeah, like I, I who are they? I would have cool. loved to have explored that. But again, too much to cram into one movie. Um, so you know, so we they were make left two movies. To... You'll still make money. Because <laughs> ten oh. is a nice number. If you had ten Star Wars movies about Skywalker, you know, Anakin, mm-hmm. Luke, and. Uh, Ray, I guess, you know, no one's going to complain. Yeah. Like I said, I I went into this movie more of, you know, just wanting to enjoy it. And I did. I didn't ask all these questions looking back. I mean, nothing you're saying is like, uh, you know inaccurate or and i'm um, not looking for faults i am a star wars fan okay i i gave all positive reviews to um uh, force awakens and last jedi and the prequels i do enjoy things about the prequels despite their huge flaws so it's not like i'm just coming at this oh no i hate big blockbusters i hate star wars no that is not me at all even though I may sound like that at this point. so But keep going. All right, so I don't have any answers to your questions. Um, (laughs) He's there. We don't know why he's there. We don't know why he's doing this. He he raises 8 billion ships up out of nowhere. (laughs) I know. And and also, those ships are fully staffed, too. So, you know, I guess people were just living. Yeah, this is just living and waiting under the uh, robots or something? I don't don't know. So, but... 
you know, there they are. So, um, yeah, then you, you find out that um, the Resistance, um, Poe and Finn are trying – or get they, there's a – they're meeting up with us. They got some information from a spy, um, and that's how they find out that uh, Palpatine is alive. Um, you know, they bring that back to their little base camp um, where Princess Leia is there and – um, all right, so so Carrie Fisher passed away prior to this film. Yeah, we didn't um, mention that yet, but that's very important, no. worth noting. I, I thought about mentioning it before, but I just and didn't, and so. she, um, they just used footage that they had from the other two movies left over. So um, I agree. I know what you're going to say already. You're going to say how bad that was, and. Well, I, but I also think it was a difficult... I do not envy J.J. Abrams in that respect, that he had this character he had to do something with, and... Right, because you can't kill Princess Leia off, off screen. Right? No, and I don't know how much he could have done more or less, or you know, what. who knows what the original script might have been, if it maybe centered more on her. I don't think it would have, but I don't know, because Last Jedi, clearly, you needed Mark Hamill for that. Supposedly, let, yeah, yeah, let, suppo- supposedly, you know, the first movie was really heavy on Han Solo. Right. The, the second, Luke Skywalker, and the third was supposed to be Princess Leia. Um, I don't know and how she true didn't, that yeah, is, I don't but, know, and I also don't know how much that would have affected the script or the story because she passed away. Um, I think there were other things that affected the script that had nothing to do with Carrie Fisher, but I'm sure that may have been an element that threw a wrench into their plans. I'm using air quotes. If Probably. they had a plan. So I, I don't, that's a fault with the movie that I don't, you know, I, I don't hold that against J.J. Abrams or any of the producers or anyone involved. No, I, like I said, I, I think, or like I was going to say, I think it's, it was fine. I mean, it definitely, there's scenes where it just feels forced and you could tell yeah. they were just writing dialogue around what she had already filmed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, but I didn't think that you know, ruined the movie in any no, way. I, no, I think yeah. they, you know, they made her a minor character and she still did serve a purpose in this movie. You know, she did sacrifice herself at one point. At and, the, yeah, yeah. You know, on, so yeah. It, it was fine. Like, um, yeah, like I said, I don't envy the writers and I did think they tried to give her character a proper send off. And for the most part, they succeed. But obviously just her presence, knowing that she was dead in real life was distracting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, so they, you know they they let her know that that Palpatine's still alive, and then they're like, how could that be? And then <laughs> there's really no explanation. Um, so it never really is explained how he's alive, other than like you said, it's vague, ominous, you know, words, and and you know, just leave it at that. Or a plot um, contrivance. But now we're seeing exactly. Leia is training Rey to be a Jedi, correct? On this forest, right? And that's when that looks exactly Rey... like Endor, the Ewoks home. That's what I wrote down. It does, and and Rey is trying to channel the voices of fallen Jedi or past Jedi, um, but she's she can't do it. Yeah. Um, so, so she doesn't think she's worthy of the having the lightsaber yet. And right. again, that was kind of weird because they don't really delve into that at all. Um, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. But then she has the lightsaber again, and we, uh, the whole and, thing. And the voices coming back, obviously. We'll, well that was at the very end, which yeah, that, we'll that, 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 that piece at least makes sense, because they do go back to that. Yeah. Um, so, um, And all yeah, I was so, thinking was, I wonder how much they got paid. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so then, yeah, the, the explanation for Palpatine being alive by the is uh, dark science, cloning, secrets only the Sith knew. Well, yeah, apparently the secrets that this only the Sith knew and the audience can't even tell or find out. But, um, yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know, he's he's hiding in Exegol, which is the secret world of the Sith. Um, so they are going to um, they're going to go out and try to find um where the where Exegol is. They know they need a Sith Wayfinder, so that's what they're going to so Ray and Finn and Poe, they all head out to do that. Uh they're gonna find um where the where the Emperor is. Uh Rose stays behind to study the specs of Star Destroyers. That was her uh, that was the is that, that Kelly she's... Marie Tran? Yeah, okay, that... the one who faced backlash that we were talking about. Exactly. The so of the her, series. Yeah. yeah, her her write off in this movie is that she stays behind to study the specs of star destroyers in case they need to know that. Which you know, in the end, they do. More um, like in case the fans will complain that she's in there because she's exactly. the most hated person That's... of the series. Right. I, I just I can't believe that the producers and every, even in 2019 they gave in to internet racism or internet bullying uh, and that really mm-hmm. stood out because especially how big her character was she was vital to the last jedi um and i don't know one thing you didn't mention or one thing that i started to notice here this movie moves really fast way too fast in my opinion because right after a peaceful scene everyone acts all panicky and then oscar isaac who i thought had better more to do in the um in the first two movies here, he's just given one-liners to deliver, it seemed. It seemed like his yeah. character arc was completely wasted. And once again, Finn is there, but he's really given nothing to do. So no, uh, this is around anybody. the point where I was like, okay, so these guys who we thought would matter in the first two movies or did matter, they don't matter anymore. Right. Um, so they, they go to... Um... Uh, well, then, you know, now we're back on, on Kylo Ren's ship, and all of a sudden these Knights of Ren, which were teased in the first movie, right. um, but never really heard about or mentioned, they were just right. in a scene, I think, um, they're all of a sudden back in this, and no explanation of who they are or why they matter, um, a, a, a chimpanzee rebuilds Kylo Ren's mask. Um, did you, did you see that? Yes, that I did. I did notice that. Um, that was weird. Um, didn't bother me as much as other things in this movie, but that was weird. It didn't bother me. It was just an odd choice, I thought. But, uh, anyway, so he really, I guess he rebuilds Kylo Ren's mask, which is basically a metaphor of piecing together the mess that Ryan Johnson caused. Um, Okay. That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) Um, that's how I saw it. It's like well, all right. one one deep moment of symbolism there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So because in 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 the Last Jedi he smashes his mask, and in this movie he's piecing it back together. Um, why is he piecing it back together? I don't know because he saw Darth Vader's mask again and realized wanted to be more like him again. He I don't want to be like his grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> or or Disney just was like, hey, uh, we don't want to abandon. Uh, Kylo Ren wearing a mask because we're opening Star Wars land and we need him to wear a mask because obviously we need a Darth Adam Vader. Driver. Yeah, we need a Darth Vader. <laughs> well, obviously Adam Driver can't be there, so we need a masked figure that anyone can play. Um, so I think that had something to do with it. Boy, Disney really has the that, that yeah. That's that's these are factors I didn't think about. Yeah, I mean I'm sure they because th- I, I mean that that Star Wars land in Disney World opened up right after this movie. So and have you um, been there? 
I have, yes. And it's it's good. It's worth going to. Here's the thing about it. Because <laughs> Rich loves Disneyland. I haven't been to Disneyland in many years. I haven't Dis- gone. Let's say this. I haven't gone as an adult. I haven't gone since I was over the age of eighteen. So okay. I'm sure it's a different I, experience from when you're a kid and, oh, my God, this it is, is so much fun, yeah. versus when you're an adult. And I'm sure it's fun, but very expensive. But so, so what were you about to say? Star Wars Land, go. All right. So first of all, Disney World. I haven't been to Disneyland. Um, Disney World, and it is um, – here's the thing about it. In my – I understand why Disney did what they did with it. They made it a fictional land, so it's not, it's not a land that has been in any Star Wars movie. Um, you know, they made it its own planet type thing. Um, and it's all focused around the newer movies. Now to Mm, me, that's a mistake. That's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um, I get why they did it because you know, that's, those are their movies and you know, and they're going to choose and and maybe it's just me being, maybe that is the right thing to do. And I'm just being selfish as me for me. I would want it to be Tatooine or, Endor and Hoth and have different, you know, Endor something, yeah. yeah. Have have Tatooine and have the cantina there, stuff like that. So right places you know, and now you want to see come to life. There you go. They did do that with the Millennium Falcon. There is a life size Millennium Falcon there. Oh, that's cool. Which I would appreciate getting photos with that. Yes, yes. Um, and then there's a ride where you you pilot the Falcon, um, which was cool. And then the other ride when I went there wasn't built, wasn't finished yet, so I wasn't able to do it. But supposedly it's the best ride at Disney, and no matter how much hype it gets, you're blown away when you ride it. Um, it's it's yeah. So I've heard amazing things about the ride, but I haven't been there. The land in general, to me, it's it's like I said, it's cool, and I appreciate what they did with it, and it it does put you into a star wars world it's just not a world you know so it it doesn't uh, so that's have that a bit nostalgia of a factor okay because we're older maybe if we were you know maybe maybe you know if we were younger we were kids growing up with the new trilogy we would really fully embrace it and, yeah and and know. there there are some there is a cantina there but it's not you know the the moss Eisley cantina but there is a cantina there so that's cool there's a there's a place where you can build your own lightsaber which i don't really care about that as an adult, but I, from what I hear, kids that go there, it's like the best thing you could ever possibly do. And as a kid, I would probably love that. Yeah, so. I would probably love that. Picking your color for your, yep. you know, the blade. Yep. Yeah, that would exactly. Be cool. There, there's a cool store there that sells all this kind of anything you could imagine. Star Wars, they sell there. Well, um, I'm not surprised which, about that. Yeah, but like even like weird stuff like the the necklace that Princess Leia wears in the throne room scene at the end of the of A New Hope, like random stuff like that okay, like they sell yeah. well, once again i'm not surprised about that there's there's yeah. so much stuff that they could do with uh, so it it is cool and and uh i appreciate it um but it's i wish you know selfishly i wish it was something that was from the original trilogy that i could relate to or had or had seen on film and now i'm actually feel like i'm there um mm. and, and it does do that with the Millennium falcon piece but other than that um, you know, it's, it doesn't, but, but it, it does, it is a good job and it does, it is, you do feel like you're on like a Star Wars planet. So I'll okay. give that All right. That. Well, hopefully one day I'll get to, uh, experience it. I think you should go. COVID. I think you okay, would. Yeah. I think you well, would. One day, I've always said this to Rich, one day I will go to Disney and you have a whole itinerary for me that you're going yeah, I'll, to I'll hook you write up. down with the Avatar Pandora ride and with all this, you're like, you know, because there's all these things that he knows I love or would appreciate and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I will try to follow that itinerary uh, 
as best yeah. as I can. So, um, yes. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. So, like we said, Kylo Ren's mask was being rebuilt ma- ma- mainly because Disney needed needs him to wear a mask. Um, <laughs> desert. So then, um, the 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 first stop that, and and I don't remember why they go to these places. Uh, nor yeah. Then we go matters. to Tatooine for some celebration, right? <laughs> well, it's not understand. Tatooine, but it's close. And oh, it's not Tatooine. Well, see, no, boy, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, some other desert. Boy, planet. one planet well looks exactly like Endor. The other planet looks exactly like Tatooine. I guess they're running out of uh, uh, climates. <laughs> yeah, visit. exactly. Terrain. Terrain. Um, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so um, they're um, they're at this festival of the something. Um, I wrote it. I down. just wrote down ancestors. some celebration. Some yeah, celebration. festival of the ancestors and um, Kylo and Ren speak through their little force. So that was something that was introduced in the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. um, which they did continue here, where they can speak to each other from from yeah. di- great distances. I thought that um, was kind of cool. I, yeah, I like it too, and and I liked how it was used in this case to for him him to snatch the necklace off her and mm. figure out where she was. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a, a, a nice touch, mm-hmm. um, and um, so then he finds out where they are and he sends stormtroopers and oh, out of nowhere, Lando Calrissian shows up there. Yep. Uh, how, how convenient. <laughs> um, and and honestly, I. I I, I, I don't know. He If he wasn't in these movies, it wouldn't have bothered me. And him being in this movie didn't bother me either. It, was, it is what it is. you know. Like Yeah, see, it did bother me. I did not like seeing Billy D. Williams as Lando because he was only there simply as a callback. For me, it was a callback to better days and better movies. You did not need him at all other than no. to make fans happy and say, Oh, look, it's Lando. Oh. And and that's really it. He does nothing. You know what? Good for Billy D. Williams. He probably got a big fat paycheck, the biggest one he's gotten in this millennium. So good for him. You know, uh, He needed the money. He needed the money. Uh, <laughs> he shouldn't after the other Star Wars movies, but I guess, I don't know. He's got grandkids to feed now. <laughs> they, they can't work, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, you know what? He's alive, so why not? Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Right. So, yeah, so he helps them out and then says that he's not interested in helping the resistance. And um, then there's a speeder chase with um, some of the, some stormtroopers and the main characters are on speeders and they're chasing. And then... Uh, what did you think about the part where he's like, they fly now? They fly now. Because the stormtroopers yeah, had jetpacks. trying to be funny. Yeah, I didn't like the chased by stormtroopers and fall through quicksand into a cavern. You know, that scene. I just... Because then what came next upset me even more. This time it upset me more because I knew where it was going. And once again, plot contrivance. That's all. This so, movie just goes fast and it's just to drive the plot. It's not about the characters. It may be to some, to a very small extent, somewhat Kylo Ren, somewhat Rey. But for the most part, this movie is about getting from point A to point B. And it's all plot. And it's just, but it's not a plot I cared about. And it's just so contrived. And yeah. Just, yeah. So you're talking about, well, so they fall into like quicksand into like yeah. a worm, worm hole Right, or and they find an important Sith dagger. Right, um, and they also um, so I I did think it was funny when Ray turns on her lightsaber and then um, Poe turns on a flashlight, 
like yeah, as a, okay. as a lightsaber because right. I mean yeah. as a kid how many times have you used like I always used to have I had a flashlight that I pretended was a lightsaber you know what I mean so okay yeah I, I guess I, it didn't to touch that you know part of my I, memory yeah, there I, I thought okay. that was funny because it reminded me of me as a kid using a okay. lightsaber using okay. a flashlight a flashlight as a lightsaber um but anyway yeah so then they find this dagger and C-3PO won't translate it because he can't speak Sith all of a sudden or just, <laughs> just they decide that um so and many, the, you know, like this. Every time we're talking about some sort of plot contrivance, and they all stood out to me so much more this time than they did the first. Because the first time, I'm not seeing it before, so I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm well, curious. and it moves so fast, and it moves have time so to think fast, about it. so you don't even have time to think about, you know, how realistic all of this is, and uh, the answer. Yeah, is this time it moved a little yeah. slower for me, so I was able to kind of take more in. Yeah. Um, and you know where it's going. It's different right. when you, you you watch a movie the second time around. You're not watching it for the plot. You're watching it for the the nuances. The and details. There are very little details worth noticing or nuances. And you've noticed a few that are. I'm glad you pointed out because I didn't even think about that. Like with the lightsaber as a flashlight. So. Um. Yeah. So then, well, Ray heals the snake with her force power, which comes oh. back in the end. Oh, you didn't, you didn't like that. Um, Hated the sandworm healing moment in the cave. Hated her healing because. <laughs> Well, of course, when it comes up later, when we'll talk about stuff with her and Kylo Ren and, and his mother, and it, it would have been so powerful after the really cool lightsaber duel. Of the, uh, whatever, we'll get to it later. Um. Yeah. Then there's the the scene in the desert. I did like you know her running from the from his ship and then doing that flip and cutting it and the ship crashing. I thought that was cool. Mm. Um. I'm getting the sense that you didn't care for it. Um, <laughs> not, I mean, not enough to. I thought it was yeah. cool. And then after that, um, you know, that's when they're, you know, they see a ship taking. Well, che- Chewbacca was kidnapped, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Captured. We're getting up to something that I really didn't like. So okay, Chewbacca so was captured. Chewbacca gets captured so suddenly too. It feels like we looked away for a few seconds. She healed a snake, and where's Chewbacca? Oh, he's captured. It's just once again so fast. And but go on. Yeah, so he gets captured, and then you know the 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 transport is taking off, and she's trying to see. They're you know basically her and Kylo Ren are playing tug, force tug of war with the ship, yeah. and uh, they're both trying to get it to come back down, um, or you know, they're both trying to pull it away from the other person, I guess. And then she accidentally lets light. And that's off. a lot of force power. Let's just listen for someone who's a newbie with the force, yeah. like Ray is supposed to be. To do that with a ship is like I, I don't know. You're, you're well, you know. and then to have lightning come out of your hands and destroy it. But then nah, you, there you go. Yeah, like a like Palpatine. Yeah. When so. you find out, yeah, who she is, then it all yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I guess but, then it makes sense. Supposedly, I don't know. Keep yeah. going. So, um, you know, and Chewbacca was supposedly on that transport, so she inadvertently kills Chewbacca and feels terrible about it. And then before you even have a second to digest that fact, you're it's revealed that he, he wasn't actually dead and there's a second transport um which honestly was stupid because you knew they weren't going to kill the dog right they're not not? going to kill chewbacca why not because he's the dog boy am i that heartless but he's an old dog even old yeller dies i mean chewbacca gets captured so suddenly all right old yeller was shot because he had rabies i'm just sad (laughs) Uh, Disney, Disney made Old Yeller. Come on, I hated Disney would the never Chewbacca make Old Yeller today. Fake out. I, I hated that. 
that, okay? Ray and Kylo Ren playing tug-of-war with using the Force ship. I already pointed out what the flaws, I think, with that involving the Force. Um, but And just fooling the audience into thinking that it has Chewie on it when there's no reason to us, for us to know that there was another ship that we didn't see that was behind the sand dune, I guess. I don't know. Nobody... At, this is the moment where we realize... Everything is safe. This is the moment where you realize, okay, it's Disney. If you didn't realize it before, this was the moment where it pulled the tablecloth out. And, oh, look, everything's still standing. Nothing's broken. Okay, this is where, because when we think it blows up and we think he's dead, they just pulled a fast one. Of course he's still alive. And from that point on, this was like a Marvel movie. Death doesn't matter. I don't care what happens. Because I know nobody that matters is going to die. And if they do die, it's because they're the bad guy. And it, it would have been so much more powerful if the dark side of the Force for Rey actually caused her to kill someone and she had to deal with those consequences. If this movie actually had any consequences for people's actions, that was the moment they could have pretty much this movie saying, nope, do whatever you want. Uh, you good guys. There's no, there's no consequences. This is where it became like Dexter season eight. Oh, he could just kill whoever gets in the way, and it doesn't matter because there's no consequences for him. So this is just I, I really checked out the first time I saw it. At that point, when they revealed that Chewie was still alive, and I think I hated it even more the second time, even though I knew it was a fake out. Yeah, and and I, I well, the thing about it is they they literally tell you within like a minute. That yeah, so where's the suspense? Why so even do it? Yeah. Why even? I agree. Why even do it if you're oh. going to reveal it that quick? I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Raiders of the Lost Ark when Marion, you think she's dead, right? Because she's put in a basket and goes on the back of a truck, yeah. and then Indiana Jones shoots the truck, and the truck blows up. But they didn't reveal it 15 minutes <clears throat> right afterwards. Right. They, exactly. You had time to develop where he's in the tent, and he sees, hey, what? You're alive? You're captured? You know, well, like, it's much later that, and, yeah. and he he goes through a scene where he's depressed and drinking in a right, bar and all that. Like, right? And this, the, she didn't even have a chance to think twice about it before. No you chance realize. for drama. You were realizing the consequences of her actions. Yeah, it's. Oh. I agree. I mean, could he have died there? Yes. Would I have liked it to be? I do. I agree that someone should have died there. Yes. Um, what do I want it to be Chewbacca? No, I'd rather it be, you know, one of the characters I don't care as much about, but it still means something to but her. But then it would have hurt even more if it was Chewbacca if you're saying you cared so much about him. Well, it hurts Han everyone. is dead. We don't need Chewbacca doesn't really have the same purpose if he doesn't have Han. Yeah, but it's not a good way to go out. But anyway, no, no, we, does we, we everyone have to go day. out a good way? I mean, people don't want to, you know, DMX didn't want to die the way he did, I'm sure. So uh, not everyone gets a choice of how Kobe Bryant, not everyone gets a choice of how they want to go out. But this, well, it's I, Disney, it's a Marvel, it's this, a is, movie. this is where Star Wars went from being sacred and holy to me, even as a grown man, to being just another movie. And yeah. this is another moment where I can pinpoint the the second that Star Wars just became another property, a product, okay, mm -hmm. for to make money. This here is a perfect example of that. Um, yeah. So I'm just gonna keep going along yeah. with the movie. Um, yeah. So Kajimi, um, they go to Kajimi, which is another planet that's introduced here because they I need to say, get... I was going to say, is that a person or a place? It was like, it's, okay. a, it's a place that they go to because they need to get this little guy named Babu Frick to re 
rework C-3PO's wire so that he can translate the, the dagger. Um, so they go there. They they meet Carrie Russell's character. You find a little bit of Poe's backstory. He was a spice runner, whatever that means. Um, and then um, Carrie Russell, great actress, completely wasted here. You don't Why even does she keep her, her face hidden? Yeah, well, it's because J.J. Abrams is friends with her. They did Felicity together. They did oh, okay. uh, Mission Impossible 3 together. That's why they, obviously, they have a great working relationship, and he puts her in whatever she can. And, and, and you know, they go to another planet. Oscar Isaac meets, yeah, it's, she's one of his old flings. That yeah. Keep, keeps her face hidden for no reason. No now reason. I'm starting to think, now I'm thinking the reason why they did it is so they could have a, a random person play her at Star Wars World. Probably. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think about that. I was like, why are they doing this? This is so frustrating. Like, just, we know it's a it's a beautiful woman under there. And yeah, it was just another fast scene with dialogue just to drive the story. No character development or time to let the actions or what they're talking about digest. It's just, boom, Oscar Isaac meets an old fling. She's got a mask. Move on. So then you get this touching moment where C-3PO says he's saying goodbye to his friends because they're going to, they have to wipe his memory. And there's another situation where you could have just let him lose his memory and not get it all back. And that would have been a, such a touching scene. But instead at the end of the movie, boom, R2D2 zaps him and he's got his memory back. <laughs> Good so point. there's another one. Yeah. Why uh, go through that gut wrenching, sad scene, just saying goodbye to my friends in case I never see you again or some nonsense like that. When I think in, it was in, for the trailer. I remember seeing that in the trailer. It was in the trailer. Yeah. And why why couldn't he just stay like that he like to me that's an easy one he wasn't dead but his memory's wiped so and also he's a robot so it's not like you're killing like you said chewy is the equivalent of killing a dog okay no one wants to see that you're that's a good point to bring up okay uh whereas but i guess c3opio he's he's as human as chewy is or more so because he at least talks Okay. Right, but but so. they easily he wouldn't have died. He just had his memory wiped, and they made it. It was a good scene. It was a good goodbye scene for him, and I thought that would have been perfect. Nope, and, they pulled the rug out from us yep. the same way they did with Chewie dying <laughs> or the fake out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, whatever, um, keep going. <laughs> so then she's on. Um, so then um, they they leave Kajimi and they get into the ship using some kind of I don't know captain's thing badge or something they get into kylo ren's ship and they uh ray goes into his quarters and um they connect again via the force and they start fighting and then realize well um uh kylo ren starts to tell her that you know she actually is someone special and her her parents weren't just you know nobodies so let's forget everything about last jedi yeah once again the dialogue here Two good actors, but the dialogue was just rehashing previous movies' plot points. So, in case you forgot what happened, we're going to catch you up in this moment now in the middle of all this action. Uh, uh, Whatever. Um, Keep going. (laughs) And then, you know, he he eventually reveals to her that he is, that she is Palpatine's granddaughter, which um, was uh, a reveal that didn't need to happen. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ray's lineage went from nobody, which I kind of thought was cool because we're all expecting her to be a somebody. And uh, I remember in one of the books that I read, there was this other, you know, character that thought he was, you know, related to Luke or Leia or someone important. And he was a nobody. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and this went from nobody to being Palpatine's granddaughter. It just, 
made no sense other than to give her a reason to have the force that could have been explained in less than two minutes for the fans. It, it was yep. just fans. Once again, this whole movie is fan service. So that was, just and then you get, um, yeah. Then you find out that general Hux, who had a pretty big role in the first two movies, yeah. uh, is actually the spy that's giving information to the resistance, not because he wants the resistance to win. He just wants Kylo Ren to lose, which uh, I don't know what, that's all about i don't um, know either they, yeah they just, I just don't come like up with each something other. creative but this movie yeah. had no creative the way what the other star wars movies did even the prequels what they did for my imagination this movie has none of that i'm thinking of say what you want about attack of the clones that movie when i walked out i was like okay i want to see a two-hour movie just about yoda i want a yoda right. biopic okay like this didn't have any of that so Whatever. I did like Richard E. Grant's character as well. He's the, a great actor. He's yeah. a great actor. I thought he was great in this movie. Um, I think he gave a, a great performance, and I thought he fit in well with the you know typical uh, imperial uh, ex imperial that you know still has an allegiance to the Sith. Um, yeah. I thought he was really good. Uh, he was one of the bright spots of this movie. Uh, Denholm Elliott's character being the spy. You mean Dom Hall ends Hall up Gleason. getting shot. Yeah, who did I saw? Who did I say? You said Denholm Elliott. He was uh, Brody in oh, Indiana yeah, no. Jones. <laughs> Downhall Gleason. Yeah, you're getting your English actors confused. <laughs> That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, um, you know, him being the spy, I thought was stupid. Um, yeah. Although I didn't know really what what could they really do with his character anyway. His character to me was always kind of unnecessary. You didn't good need point. Yeah, two he's a good bad actor. Guys. And he didn't really have much to do. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so at least he was given something to do in this movie, although it was stupid. And then he, yeah. he gets shot and killed. So that was the end of him. Yeah. Um, then it's revealed that there's a, that, uh, you know, Ray and, um, Ray and Kylo are something called a dyad in the forest, which is, you know, two that are actually one or something like that. I don't know. It comes back in the, it comes back in the end. I would um, love to, because to, to, a lot of times as you're going through this plot, I, I, I would love to count how many times you say, and then it was revealed. And then it was revealed. They're just revealing all this stuff. Right. In every big scene, there's a big revelation in every and scene. And it matters. And and the stuff that they're revealing matters. I just wish I cared. You're right. right. It matters to the plot. I didn't care. Like, I, you know, they reveal this, you know. They could have come up with something more creative or more complex. Well, you know, and, for and so Rey much of and it, Palpatine. And, yeah, was, and, uh, and so much of it, including the, the reveal that Rey is Palpatine's... Uh, granddaughter is just so nonchalantly thrown in there. It didn't have yeah, any it just emotional felt so impact. arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, no, no emotional impact. But what it did was it destroyed. It really effectively destroyed a lot of the mystery and the action and the plot. You know, leading in uh, Last Jedi. So that was their way of saying, you know, wiping their hands clean of Last Jedi, saying, "All right, you happy fans? You hated Last Jedi. Here you go. She's related to Palpatine. That's why she's so strong with the Force." And it just it, they could have done something so much more creative. Why bring back? It's like, I don't know. It's it's like bringing back, you know, someone you don't need to bring back. It's, well, because it's it's you know it's dumbing it down for people. It's really, fan service. Yes, thank yeah. you. It's dumbing it down. It's fan service to make people say, "Ooh, cool," when it doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah. Uh, well, logic is cl- clearly not what they went for in this movie. Not in this movie. Maybe the others, yes, okay, yeah. but not in this one. So. Um, so then they go to Endor, one of the moons of Endor, not a, more of a, a watery world than a ah, forest yes. one. <laughs> um, and that's where, you know, they Ray goes into um, 
the Star Destroyer, she finds the Wayfinder, and then it's immediately destroyed by Kylo Ren. So that whole plot point went, led nowhere. Um, <laughs> well, however, it got them there. Yeah, it was well, just it got more them to retconning. That yeah, more yeah. retconning. Because as Rey visits the Death Star wreckage from the original trilogy on this, I just wrote down on a planet that looks like one of the places we saw from Interstellar combined with Waterworld. So this was a moon of Endor. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on that as I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's why it was there, because that's where they. That's where the old Death Star was. Which was, makes a perfect yeah. sense because, yeah, they were the big. See, it's logic, Jay. Come on. This movie's very logical. <laughs> After you just said two minutes ago, it wasn't. <laughs> this is like one of the, the Rick James moment in Chappelle's show. He's like, can we just rewind that for a bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that I, I, I liked. I, I got to tell you, John, John Williams' score was nominated for an Oscar. I didn't really feel much impact in this movie compared to the, to others. However, I did feel it when Ray was on the death star. Cause yes. he brought back a lot of the music from return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. I thought that was really good. Other than that, I thought it was just okay. I was surprised it was nominated this time. It was one of the best. It's still uh, it, John Williams, I guess is like Scorsese where even mediocre John Williams <laughs> is better than 90% of, you know, yeah, the other true. film scores that may have come out that year. Uh, so I did think the score was excellent. And I think that was, one of the only things that made me feel nostalgic and alert and awake during this movie, I always liked his theme for Force Awakens, Ray's theme, mm-hmm. that, you Ray's know, whatever, theme, yeah. flute, yeah, the flute whistle that he's got there, that was the, a good hum, a good tune, so he's, there's a reason why, you know, it's cliche to say he's the best composer in cinema history, he very well could be, he's an outstanding composer, and I think his score made me care about this movie much more than I would have if he didn't. And I remember he did not do the scores to Solo and Rogue One. And it and, shows. And it's noticeable. It, it's noticeable. That's how good, even at almost 90, uh, he's mm-hmm. that good uh, just as a composer. Uh, and for and he's doing... He is a master. He, he's doing the, the the next Indiana Jones movie, too. Yes, there was news about this that this weekend. Phoebe yeah. Waller-Bridge has a big role in that. Yeah, uh, she's going to be the female lead, which I'm excited about. I think she's really good. Um, Fleabag is an excellent show. I've never seen Fleabag, but maybe I will have to. You it's should. a short. It's, it's a. I could probably binge watch that in a couple of days if I have nothing to do. Uh, you on those you could binge watch it in a, in a long afternoon if you have nothing to do. It's okay, quick. all right. It's quick but good. Okay, so mm-hmm. so yeah. So we've got all that wreckage there, and uh, and also this is the same scene around where Finn meets the female version of him. A yes, yes. Black uh, female, the female former stormtrooper. So it looks like they can have a nice tidy romance for the few scenes he has left in this film. Uh, Disney's still wary of interracial dating since his scenes with Ray and the Asian girl from the previous movie. It seemed like he might have had a romance with the two of them, but that went nowhere. Like kind of like Luke seemed like he may have had a romance with Leia up until halfway through Empire Strikes Back. Remember, she gives him a big kiss at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, uh, which now looks gross to us, but we didn't know (laughs) at the time. Uh, So this movie's just so hypocritical. I mean, they... they, Finn could have been the romantic lead. He could have been... This could have been a trailblazing, you know, groundbreaking movie trilogy. And he's just a serviceable background character who helps out the plot. And I, I did not like that at all. No, I agree. Um, so then we have Kylo Ren and and Ray fight. Yeah. Um, it's a good fight. She's actually he's actually about to win, and then Leia steps in and with the, through the Force, obviously. Yeah. And stops him from 
killing her or at least freezes him just for a second, right. which then allows her to kill him or yeah. stab him with a lightsaber, yeah. um, which would have killed him. And then she decides to heal him. Um, oh, which yeah, was I now I realize right. was such foreshadowing with the worm scene. Right. Uh, exactly. Quick set. One thing I'd like to mention that you didn't uh, mention and it happens before this, but it's something that left a mark on me that I thought was cool. So I'm going to say something good about this movie. <laughs> I liked when Rey sees Kylo Ren on the Death Star and the dark version of herself. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. Then they fight surrounded by the water. I actually thought that fight was pretty cool. She wins and brings him back to life, which you just went through and how it happened through the Force and through uh, Princess Leia. Um, And then we see Leia die and give her life so her son can live. I kind of like that. I thought that that was where I was saying an appropriate send-off. Yeah, for I Carrie agree. Fisher, not the greatest thing, but because you knew I she think that had was the die, best they so. could have done. She needed a good send off, yeah. and they certainly delivered. And I liked the few moments leading up to that where I wish the movie was more of that. But once again, move so fast, and then oh, we could have had Kylo Ren dead. Nope. Once again, they pulled the tablecloth from under us, and you know everything's still standing perfect on the table because that's what this movie's all about. Surprise. Mm-hmm. So we, you thought they were dead. Nope, they're not. Okay, so it was just notable for the Marvel movies as well. So, so yeah, so he's healed, and then uh, Han Solo shows up and talks to him, and it's basically uh, the conversation they had from The Force Awakens um, on the bridge right before he kills Han Solo, uh, but this time he knows yeah. that, you know, he get, Han Solo actually gets him to realize that he needs to redeem himself yeah. um, and, and go to the light side of the force and help Ray defeat Palpatine, which you don't know is going to happen right away, but you yeah. knew, you know, you see him throw his lightsaber away, which signifies that, right. you know, Kylo right. Ren is dead. Um, and I like that scene a lot. I, I liked too. Harrison Ford showing up. Once again, I said earlier, you, you seem to pick movies where Harrison Ford is the most redeeming quality. I thought that was the best Two minutes of this movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I knew Harrison Ford was going to show up. There's no way that they're going to do this movie and have Han Solo not be somewhat of a factor in this with, with Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill all in the same movie. Right. So, I, I, but him showing up, connecting to the moment that he kills his father on the bridge, I thought was really well done. So I tip my hat to J.J. Abrams. He is a competent director. He's a good director. But he's just, you know, so busy, I don't know, doing fan service in a lot of his movies that you don't realize how good of a director he is or could be. Uh, And I also liked how this worked on two levels, how he could be real using the force or it could all be in Kylo Ren's head. I loved everything about that scene. I loved. Yeah, Um, I think J.J. Abrams is a good director. I think he's not a good writer. And I think that's where... His faults are in terms of, at least for these movies, is that they're yeah. not original enough. He, they're too derivative of the other movies in the And series. once again, how much of that is pressure from the producers yeah, to deliver, know. and he delivers, okay? Kind of like I was comparing him to Ron Howard. But now what you're right. saying, you're making me think he's more like George Lucas, okay? George Lucas is a good director, but... No one will ever say George Lucas is a good writer. Maybe American Graffiti we could give him credit for, or the original Star Wars, because that was like nothing nobody had ever seen before. But even still, Star Wars wasn't, the first one wasn't a great movie because of its dialogue. 
it no. was a great movie because of everything, everything else, else yeah. besides its dialogue. So, but it needed that corny dialogue, I think. It, it, he, right. He's a he's a Lucas is a very good director, and maybe J.J. Abrams is that same mentality, that same vein. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so then it's revealed, well, then they, you know, the, the, the Millennium Falcon returns to the, the Resistance base, and that's where they find out that Princess Leia has died. Uh, I thought it was sad when Chewie found out, and he was, you know, screaming in anguish. Yeah. I thought that was sad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then, you know, they find out that every ship in the fleet can blow up a planet, because it's got these giant cannons on it. Um, every ship in, in Palpatine's fleet. Um, so... Um, they basically come up with a plan to, uh, Lando shows up and he's going to help. And so they say, you know, they, they bring their whole fleet to, um, Exegol and they are going to, um, Poe gives this big speech about the attack and, um, how, you know, how they're going to do it. And, um, uh, Lando is going to get uh, more ships. He's going to fly around the galaxy and get more ships, um, which, and, and he says that they did that after the second movie and no one came, but all of a sudden this time it's going to work, I guess. Um, (laughs) so yeah. So, and, and that's their plan. Um, meanwhile, Ray is, um, she flew, I guess she, she took Kylo Ren's ship and she went to, um, the planet where Luke was hiding at and she goes there and she burns his ship and goes to throw away the lightsaber and Luke catches it and basically tells her that's no way to treat a weapon of a Jedi, even though when he was given the lightsaber <laughs> in the last movie, say, yeah. he threw it. So I, he just I mean, tossed it away. Yeah. It, it was clearly a callback to that and how yeah. Luke has changed his ways and, and you know doesn't think that way anymore but once again no real clear development for why well i guess i guess the development is more of what happened in the second movie all Um, the action that we've seen happen and now the world needs another jedi so she needs to go and fulfill her destiny (laughs) right so luke basically talks her into doing it and he he kind of explains why leia never trained as a jedi um because she had seen she had foreseen that her son would uh, do bad things if she went that way, even though he did anyway. So I guess she should have just trained, but um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, she gives him Luke and she gives him uh, Leia's, she gives Ray, he gives Ray Leia's uh, lightsaber and uh, tells her to go back. And uh, he, she takes the wayfinder from Kylo's ship and Luke finally raises a, an X-wing, which he couldn't do in empire strikes back. Um, but he finally lifts and raises his X-Wing out of the swamp, out of the water, um, and that way she can take that ship to go to Exegol and defeat Palpatine. And that was kind of a good scene. It's just for me, at this point of the movie, I had just emotionally checked out. So, uh, <laughs> like, I, it, it should have mattered, but for me, it didn't. My mind was made up about this movie, and I knew where it was going and how it was going to end. So, post the Harrison Ford cameo scene, I don't have much good to say about this. So, they just well, go and fight the evil, the big evil star base. And there, there's, here's the problem with what comes next. There's no discussion, no planning, nothing. Remember how much planning went into, they've done this four times already. This is the fourth time that a climax of a Star Wars movie involves attacking a big base that can destroy entire planets. Right. Think about all the planning that went into Return of the Jedi, A New Hope. 
The Force Awakens. This time it's just like, all right, we're going to do this. And they do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they do say their plan is to take out the navigation tower because they can't the ships can't take off without it. That's really I guess the hope. fourth time around is just the least compelling then. I, yeah. I felt like the other movies was so much planning and so much um, you know the, the third uh Return of the Jedi was a, was similar. It was just like all right. I uh, felt they did a lot with that. I I think it was about the same. But anyway. Oh, um man. There was somewhat of a plan there. It was a weak plan. I mean, it, it all hinged upon Lando Calrissian coming back with ships, which they, they couldn't do the last time, but now they're going to be able to do it. So Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So, you know, Palpatine... So they go to Exegol. Ray gets there first. Palpatine wants Ray to kill him so that his spirit can live in her since he is her granddaughter and all the Sith will um, live in her because they all live in him or something. And... Then, um, uh, you know, there's the battle going on in the sky um, where the, the Resistance is fighting the Star Destroyers, but Lando hasn't shown up yet, so they're they're outnumbered and they're getting Just destroyed. like three other Star Wars movies, it seems. Yep. <laughs> Very similar. So, and b- by the way, can, can we just, oh, just one real quick thing. So she's Palpatine's granddaughter. I would love to know what her parents look like, where they are. And then the thought of Palpatine... Well, they, having they were sex, killed pre or post, but Palpatine did did was she did, was this after he was scarred by Mace Windu horribly or before? Like what? It had to be. Uh, I don't know. It's just so many questions, so many ew, icky. I don't want to think about this stuff because it's Palpatine. Right. It's there just, was no. There was ugh. no mention. There was no mention of him ever having a wife. But I guess he could have on Naboo when he was a senator. I mean. It's very possible, and then he had kids. Now that his kid, his daughter or son, whoever, which I don't know which one, but Ray's parents were killed. They do show that okay. um, they were killed by the the guy with that dagger. They were killed with that dagger. Uh, I guess I don't even remember. Okay, yeah. I, you know, I watched this a few because, days ago, and I guess I don't because remember. they wouldn't they wouldn't reveal where Ray was because they had you know hidden Ray on Jakku, so they wouldn't reveal where Ray was. So he was they were killed. Um, now again, who was Ray's you know grandmother? We don't ever know that, and honestly, I don't want to know that. And it's just know, such whatever. arbitrary. Like we're yeah, supposed if, to care about these people that if they introduced Palpatine in the second movie, like they did in Empire Strikes Back, then I think I would have maybe come around more to the idea. But instead, I'm just looking at this as desperation agreed damage control once again he's the big baddie out of nowhere literally we say people come around and this time it was it was just literally out of nowhere yeah and and again coming back to the fact that they felt like they had to wrap up everything in this one last movie when ryan johnson really wrote them into a corner and they couldn't do it effectively. It, they needed more than one movie, but they they tried to cram it all into one, which is like I said, so much is revealed and not properly revealed, um, right. and just thrown out there. Um, anyway, so then Kylo Ren shows up and f- she she force sends him the lightsaber, which I thought was cool, um, but I didn't care that he was killing all those Knights of Ren because who. Who even were they? Who were they? What were they? Yeah. Were they robots? Who, were they people? Who are were these people? Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. are these people? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know, and I don't care. Um, no. I, but I did like that he she handed off the lightsaber to him. Mm. Um, I thought that was cool. Uh, then he comes over, and um, 
he doesn't really do much other than no. I guess he kind of saves her. Right. Yeah. So then she yes, ends up does. killing yeah. Pal. Yeah, she ends up killing Palpatine. Um, With the ghosts of former Jedi's cheering her on, and we heard Liam Neeson, yes. we heard Samuel L. Jackson, uh, we heard, it, yeah, we hear, and I'm just thinking there, wow, ka-ching, 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 they probably got paid a lot of money to lend their voices for uh, five seconds of yes. uh, all that big bundle for hardly any work. And once again, I wish the Sith Lords that were sitting around while all this was happening were developed. It could have been so cool, but instead they're just like... It's like we're watching a baseball game and these are the attendees in the stands while we're watching it on TV. When it could have been so much more than that. Right, and and they all just die, I guess, because They just well, die. They just sit there and watch and then die. Yeah, like you said, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, so he start yeah, the emperor starts shooting force lightning at her and she's blocking it with her lightsaber and then she uses the second lightsaber and shoots it basically back at him and yeah. he melts away to nothing and then he explodes and the whole place explodes and all the all the Sith people die and Rey is out of power and she's I guess she was dead or going to die. I don't know. But then Kylo I, I wrote Ren, this down. Death is like tag in this movie, in this yeah. world. You can just die, you can come back. Feels very much like Marvel, only worse, I guess, because it's so much happening in two and a half hours. Right, and so then Kylo Ren saves her and gives his life to save her. They have a brief kiss. Yeah, and oh, then, God. Yeah, you, you didn't like that. So uh, forced and unnecessary to have to do it. I right loved it. Dies. I Why? cheered when they Because you like Snow White or Sleeping Beauty or cliches? No, neither explain. one of those. I, I just liked that, that they had their moment. Um, no, I didn't like that. And then he dies, and, and you know, he has to you know, sacrifice himself because he did. You didn't mention the space horses. Can you explain that in the space battle? Uh, well, they technically weren't in space. Uh, they couldn't (laughs) leave the atmosphere. So that's why, uh, that's why the horses were able to, and the people weren't wearing masks either. So that, that, why were they even there? I don't know. Like, I don't know. They were in the last Jedi and some people thought they were cute. I I don't know why they were there because they appealed to people that like my little ponies. They, yeah, they needed something to do, and they needed those people. Oh, because they were going to jam the speeders, but they were like, they're not on speeders, they're on horses. So, <laughs> I don't know. Jedi. All righty, keep going. I, <laughs> we're well, almost done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then... Um, yeah, so then you know they uh, they go back to the main base and everyone's celebrating and it's kind of like the celebration after Return of the Jedi and then it shows like fall the First Order falling all over the galaxy and it's a happy just like ending. in the, the Return of the Jedi special edition exactly and yeah. it's a and it's a happy ending yeah there was even a Cloud City they show Cloud City in yep. the show and Chewie gets some metal that was supposed to be from Leia it just felt inconsequential well why didn't she give it to him when she was al- when she was alive. No, the joke there is that um, at the in the throne room scene at the end of A New Hope, oh, okay. um, Han and Han and Luke get medals, but Chewie doesn't. Meanwhile, he yeah. did just as much as they did, and so, she's waiting to give it to him till this long. So I don't. It's not even that. I think it's just a joke that uh, like he didn't get it, so now he's getting his medal. No, um, I didn't get it either. So thanks for explaining. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I don't even remember. Did anything else happen after that? Uh, Ray goes to Tatooine, buries a lightsaber, and becomes Skywalker. When she could have taken the Palpatine name and made something positive out of it, nope, she's just Ray Skywalker. The end. Happy ending. Predictable ending. 
And that's really it. And uh, for me, to summarize Star Wars Rise of Skywalker in one word, it would be gutless. This movie would have been more aptly titled Return of the JJ since he refurbished everything about Return of the Jedi into a safe, Disney-fied two and a half hours. There is no risks in this movie and it does not have a single original thought. So that's So this my movie is a real big mistake for you. For me, 100%, this is a real big mistake. I'm glad you mentioned John Williams' music score, which is stellar as always. And at least we got closure. At least we got a third movie that did put everything together. I don't like what it did, but it's over. It's done. I don't think they're going to be returning to the Skywalker saga again. I guess they always could, but at least it's a closure. I'm not happy with it, but it's over. It's done. The end. Um, how many stars did you give this when you saw it? One and a half? I believe I gave it two when I first two. saw it. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, so, yeah, let me double check. Uh, yes, I gave it two, which is the lowest I've ever given, I think, any Star Wars movie. Maybe Solo got... Two, I think I might have given it two and a half. Same thing with Rogue One. Those are the, these are the bottom tier Star Wars. But those movies didn't upset me or offend me, maybe because they weren't part of the you know holy trilogy sort of thing, and they seem just like cash grabs. This was this was a cash grab when I wanted and thought it should have been more. So all right, so I am <clears throat> going to one when I le- when I left the theater, I enjoyed this movie. This time, I did not enjoy it as much, um, and I saw a lot more of the faults. Or not that I didn't see them the first time; they didn't bother me as much. Whereas mm-hmm. this time, they did. Um, so, um, however, I am still going to say that this is this movie is not a real big mistake. I still think it's fun. I you just have to go in just wanting to have fun with a Star Wars movie, and I think you can if if you see it from that point of view. Um, do I think? It's three stars. No, I would give it two and a half. I would give it, I would rate it probably right at 60, which would just make it fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, Um, this is the most conflicted I think you've been with any movie that we've seen. Well, I I am conflicted because I know it's not good. However, this whole trilogy, to me, like I said, it was just bonus Star Wars. You know, I never expected it to happen. I enjoyed all three. I thought that J.J. Abrams, like we had mentioned already multiple times, had no, no, very few choices here, probably, and also had a hard, hard task after the last movie to wrap up a trilogy in one film after, after the last Jedi, um, it was just really hard. And I don't know, you know, how it could have been better. Now, if the last Jedi was the first movie of this or a movie like the last Jedi, where it was just, you know, out of, you know, completely new stuff and took the, took the, you know, universe in a completely different direction, I probably would have been more emotionally invested in this trilogy, but once the way the trilogy started with basically a new hope rebranded and nostalgia and fun, it just seemed like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm in for the fun. I'm not going to be, you know, 
when, when I when I show my son the Star Wars movies, these will be the last ones I show him. You know what I mean? Wise choice. He should see them, I guess, in the order that they came out. I Correct. think that would be the best way. Not starting with episode one, okay, but seeing them in the order that they came out. And now you're going to see the backstory behind Darth Vader. And now you're going to see what happens afterwards, you know? Correct. When all these guys, uh, these heroes that you care about are old. And yeah, I mean, the, so this movie did enough to make you feel like a kid again. And for me, this is the movie that made me aware of the Star Wars formula more than anything else. This is the movie that made me aware Star Wars is a product to make money. If anything, this... Good. You know, not something that is anything more than that. Whereas to me, I guess the kid in me, even though I realized Force Awakens was a very loose remake, rehash of A New Hope... I still, you know, watching that movie on the big screen, it turned me into a kid again, and I had fun with it. And this I movie, I could not have fun with. And to me, this movie really marked the difference of, wait a minute, this isn't George Lucas anymore. This is Disney. You know, um, the first one you could get away with, even and the second one, too. It's like, not that. It's I, different. I, second it's one is different. like, there's yes. no other Star Wars movie quite like it. Exactly. So the second so one was, was like, oh, what are, what are they doing here? Yeah, they, they did too much. And so the third one was just damage control. Well, then I, the, well, the third one is like, oh, that's right. A large corporation owns these movies and they and need to make And you're money. reminded of that in every scene, every time they fake someone's death. And pull, like I said, pull the tablecloth out and everything's still standing. I just exactly. can't forgive it for that. I can't forgive it for how fast it moves, for how poorly edited it is, for the plot contrivances, for the fact that I didn't care about these characters. At the end of Return of the Jedi, I cared about Luke, Leia, Han, C-3PO, Lando, Vader, Palpatine. I really cared when Luke goes into that frenzy and fights his father. This movie, actually, by bringing Palpatine back and saying he's not dead... It makes Return of the Jedi seem like a weaker movie. Like they didn't actually win and, you know, solve anything in that conclusion. So it makes the original trilogy, the holiest of holies, um, seem I, a little I, less special. For me, dis- it made I, it seem a little I disagree less because you could honestly say that about the f- about Episode 7. I mean, if, if the end, you know, since Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, wasn't the end, then did it really matter at all? No. Because- yes, here's what I'm going to say. Because good point, but here's what I'm going to say to that. There's always, let's say, at the end of World War II, at the end of World War One, at the end of whatever current wars, there's always going to be another war. Okay? It might not happen the following year or two years later or ten years later. There's always going to be some world leader that's going to say, hey, and, you know, try to do too much or overstep his bounds and upset other countries and other, you know, entities. There's always so the, the idea that there's going to be another first order, the, the dark side of the force, or something is going to come up and rise up and try to hurt people and take away their rights. That that's human nature. I agreed, but okay. it was basically the same thing again. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like it was basically the empire. All I over accepted again. it until Palpatine, I, yeah. I guess. Or I accepted it until this movie. Well, Everything still, about this movie, I, I, I still disagree. accept it, but I don't think that Palpatine coming back does anything different to the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it makes it weaker because, like I said, it was already, you know, 
the the empire was destroyed, but the first order took over, and it was basically the same thing. And yeah, you know, and I never truly felt that way until watching it. You made me watch it a yeah. second time. I I think I wouldn't have to me where it's on par with Dexter, where it's so unpleasant. It makes the you know the moments where I used to love that show, and I don't. I can't really watch it anymore the way I used to. I don't know. Maybe I've got to rewatch the original Star Wars movies, but I don't want to watch them now. I'll tell you that. I'll maybe watch them months from now. Eventually, at some point, I'm sure I will watch them again, and I hope I enjoy them. But right, I, the thought of putting in a Star Wars movie right now—that's anything—left a bad taste in my mouth. So well, that's pretty bad for something that I love that much to make me not want to go back and revisit it. That's that's really bad. Well, I I do think well, I'm going to end with this. I, I do think you should watch The Mandalorian because it does kind of fill the gap a little bit between the events. I mean, a lot really, but between the events of Return of the Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens, and you do kind of get a period where there is no First Order, so it doesn't feel like you know it, it's just like oh, the Empire is gone and the First Order is here. Um, so it, it does kind of fill the gap and it's, it's, it's good. You, I mean, you're not going to watch it and that's fine, but I think you should. And, <laughs> and, and you're not going to watch, maybe if you watch some of the movies that I've been recommending to you over the years that we can't do for this podcast because they're too good, then, then maybe, uh, uh, I'll consider it. But right you know what, right now it's not a priority for me in any way. Well, and well, the reason I'm saying it is, and, and you know, you can hate it for whatever reason you want to, but it will put a better taste in your mouth mm-hmm. for Star Wars Maybe than than this. Yeah. So you know what I mean. Not and once again, not anytime soon. If I was going to watch it, I if I started it prior to watching this and liked it, there's a better chance. Right now, I I don't want to do anything star wars related i'm not anti-science fiction but just star wars right now because i i despise this movie even more the second time around than i did the first time around so all right well i have a feeling that this will not be the only movie i make you watch that you will hate um, Ooh, okay foreshadowing for <laughs> maybe. two weeks from now oh god <laughs> well, i don't know about two weeks from now i, I have a few i haven't i haven't even <laughs> a few that you know but... i'm going to despise okay <laughs> yeah and a few that you're gonna despise and a few others that i i don't know if you'll despise or not you may not have seen them but um okay so i don't know where i'm going yet we'll see two weeks is a long way away but um all right true. so um before we go do you are you gonna announce next week or are you not ready i yet? you know what i'll announce it this was what i thought of earlier in the week and then i like i told you i almost changed my mind because dmx passed away uh recently yesterday or the day before mm-hmm. um and i am a fan of two of his movies i liked romeo must die and i liked exit wounds with steven seagal and dmx both are Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to go with something completely different, uh, a, a real throwback. You picked the most recent movie from 2019, and you've also picked the oldest movie that we've done so far until now. We're going to go all the way back to a time when there was only one Star Wars movie. We're going back to 1978, one of the original uh, stupid comedies okay uh, certainly one of the original stoner comedies uh the original cheech and chong's up in smoke oh i have never seen it so never I'm, oh never. wow okay because it's not the 80s it was 1978 have you ever seen any cheech and chong movies not 
No, I, I've seen bits and pieces of some, so maybe I saw bits and pieces of this one, but I don't know which okay. ones I've seen pieces of. Okay, um, gotcha. Well, this is their the best one. This is their best one. I've seen three or four of their movies. Um, you did see one Cheech and Chong movie. I know you borrowed it for me, a Scorsese movie. Oh, they are in night shift or whatever after after hours, hours. yep after they're hours. They, they have a small part in after hours and i think they're pretty funny they don't do much in that but uh, no I one of my favorite scorsese movies yeah i, I remember i vaguely remember that scene with them but, okay um, yeah yeah but that, so. that's what we're doing next uh for next week so i hope you enjoy it um i think it's a movie you could go either way on uh and i'll explain next week why i picked it so uh, i have a feeling why but um okay <laughs> All right, right, great. Cheech and Chong up in smoke. We'll sign off now. Yeah. um, Yeah, you go first. Okay, yeah. uh, You could uh, check out all my reviews and podcasts on panandslam.com. I just recently uh, finally put out my list of the uh, best movies of 2020, so that's up there now. You could look for uh, the Pan and Slam Movie Awards and Oscar predictions probably coming up soon. Um, You could follow everything that I do on Twitter at Jason K. Critic. Uh, Live long, prosper, and watch movies. And, um, yes, I am Rich Tola. You can find uh, informa- uh, information on this podcast at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Real Big Mistakes. So you can follow us there, R-E-E-L, Big Mistakes. Um, so follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, please give us a rating and a review. Um, and tell your friends about us if you like our content. Um, so that is it for this one. Um, thanks for hanging with us and we'll see you next time.